0: Hello and welcome to episode 61 of the So Video Games podcast, where we talk about any game at all, including new stuff, old stuff, and anything in between. If we're playing it, we will be talking about it. Today we are recording on December 13th, 2017, which is also my brother's birthday. My brother would never ever listen to the show, but happy birthday, Brandon, even though I know you're not listening to this. Uh, my name is Corey Motley. I am a staff writer at GameCritics.com. I'm also 50% of the show. Joining me, as always, is my lovely co-host, Brad Galloway, who is the editor of Game Critics. How are things, Brad? Well, pretty good, I guess, but your brother would never listen to the show. Is it? Is it me? Uh, no, it's just that we don't talk about anything that would be remotely of interest to him. Oh, okay. Well, all right. As long as it's not
1: me, because I got kind of paranoid there for a second.
0: Uh, I promise you, it is not you. As a matter of fact, he probably has no idea who you are and will probably never, ever know who you are. Oh, that hurts even worse. That sucks. <laughs> he
1: he should know who I am, because it's me. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, I wish I could say so, but he... Uh, he... Man, I can't even remember the last time he's played a video game. It's probably been, like, a decade for him, so I don't wow. really see the show being in his future. He's a very busy person. He co-owns or co-manages a retail store uh in the plaza in Kansas City so he's very busy um he works a lot he drinks a lot he uh hangs out at his house a lot i don't think he plays video games like ever unless it's just some like little phone game every once in a while wow you guys are pretty different huh uh yeah i mean we have a lot of commonalities but we are very different people Um, like I said on the last show, I talked about how his birthday was coming up and how we basically only talk, like, on, like, birthdays and holidays, and that's about it. Um, like, we don't dislike each other, we just don't really talk much, but, uh, I don't think that bothers either of us, so that's just how we are. I hear you. Does he look like you by any chance? Um, he is a lot taller than me. He's about, hmm, maybe, like almost a foot taller than me and he's skinnier than I am and he has um less hair than I do and he's also five years older than me um but that I don't know he he looks I don't know I mean if we were sitting next to each other I'm sure people would be like oh you guys are brothers but I don't think we look super similar
1: All right. All right. right. Sorry. Just uh, satisfying my my random curiosity. (laughs) This has nothing to do at all with our episode, folks. I apologize. (laughs) Let's move on now.
0: All right. Well, tonight we are going to talk about some games. We're going to talk about uh, the PlayStation Experience Conference. Uh, Brad and I watched... A handful of the trailers. There were a, I was not following this news never it happened because I was out of town and I will be talking about my out-of-town adventures and the banter at the end of the show. But um there were a lot of trailers at PSX. Uh Brad and I watched a handful of them. We did not watch all of them, uh, but we'll be talking about uh picking and choosing some things to talk about there. Uh Brad has played, as usual, I feel like a broken record whenever we're on the show for the past like month. Brad's played a lot of stuff. I have barely played anything because I had a very busy weekend. I was out of town all weekend. And I've been working on photos uh, this part of the week. I was out earlier tonight uh, doing stuff. So I have like half of one game update. So Brad will be carrying the load on the show. Um, But Brad, do you have any uh, additional input before we jump into games?
1: Um, Yeah, just a heads up. I did watch some of the trailers from the Game Awards also. That happened um, between episodes, I believe. I didn't watch the show watch some of those trailers. Maybe we'll talk about a few of those. I'm sure you will be aware of some of those games. And I think tonight is going to be kind of a kind of a random episode, folks. So maybe you want to buckle in for this one. I mean, Corey said he had <laughs> a very busy week. I've had a very busy week. I'm really scattered right now. I've got a lot of things going on. Um, you know, it's all fine. Nothing, nothing bad or nothing terrible. Just like, you know, really, really busy at work and not having a lot of time to get the Show prepared. I mean, I literally got home maybe like an hour before recording, and I usually like more time to you know get settled in and stuff. So if we ramble, if we jump around, um, please forgive us. Also, I full disclosure, I have a list of topics that I want to talk about. Uh, random, totally random topics that I kind of just keep track of for the show, and my list has gotten too long, so I want to just just get some of the stuff off my plate. Um, so if we still have time at the end of the show, we're not running too long, I may just like scatter shot bring up a bunch of stuff and torture Corey with random topics. So that may happen.
0: And full disclosure, I have no idea what these topics are. So, uh, Brad might or might not spring some strange stuff on me, but we'll just have to see whenever we get there.
1: Full of drama. This episode, full of drama. Who knows? (laughs)
0: Uh, well, uh, let's go ahead and jump into games then. Uh, Brad has a handful of games that he has been dabbling in this week. I have been—I have an update on Black Mirror to talk about later because I haven't played much. Uh, but Brad, what do you want to talk about first? Um,
1: just a really quick check-in on Battle Chef Brigade. I talked at length about this last episode. This is oh, and a correction too. Hang on a second. I got to give proper credit where credit is due. It was good man and fan of the show Strident, uh, who is a frequent listener, long time reader of game critics. Good man, Strident over in the UK. He um, sent in with a correction and said that Battleship Brigade is actually not on everything like I thought it was. It is only on Switch and PC. So Strident, thank you for the correction and apologies to everyone for any uh, hurt feelings or confusion or distress <laughs> that my, my mistake may have caused. Um, I think I just was in a rush. And as we all know, if you listen to the show, doing research uh, is not my forte when it comes to uh, the details of these games. Um, but yeah, I, uh, <clears throat> at the time we recorded last time, I was almost done with the game. And come to find out, there was actually quite a bit more to the game than I expected. It, it, it actually wasn't quite over. There was a pretty good chunk left over once I got past what I thought was the end and it just got really better. Like it was already great <laughs> and it just got better. Like it was amazing. I am in love with that game. I think that game is perfect. It, it can almost do no wrong. Like I have very, very little criticism of it. Um, so I'm not going to rehash everything that I said last week, but I will say that I now have actually fully completed Battle Chef Brigade all the way on the switch. That game is the shit. That game is so good. Everything about it is so good. I love it. It's so fun. Um, all aspects of it, wonderful. So I'm not going to say anything more than that. Listen to last week's episode if you want more info on Battleship Brigade, but you don't really need more info. It's amazing. If you have a Switch or if you have a PC, check it out. It is by far one of my favorite games this year. And it's just, it's so well made, so well put together uh, for an indie title. I think it's just, it's great. I love it. And I don't mean to say like for an indie title, like oh, it's just any title, like, my expectations are lowered. Like, it does it does much better than most big-budget games. I think it's a fantastic piece of software. So, uh, finished it, love it, highest possible recommendation, nothing but good things to say about it. Battleship Brigade is awesome.
0: Those are some thrilling updates from you, Brad. It's good stuff, man. I was really thrilled that, the,
1: that it uh, turned out to be as good as I was hoping it would be. So, um, moving on really quickly... Something I started today... Well, I guess just to back up a little bit, I'm really pleased with the Switch as the new de facto home of indies. Um, I was a huge Vita fan, as you know, Corey. I love the Vita. Still have my Vita, um, still play it, and in fact, I was actually going to fire it up and uh, play some stuff later on, possibly for the show next week. Um... But, you know, I mean, it's pretty clear that the Vita's day has passed and developers are no longer porting everything to the Vita. That was a thing for a while where every single indie on Earth seemed like it was coming to the Vita, which was awesome, which was totally awesome. Uh, but now that the Switch is here, the Switch has become like the new Vita in terms of indies. So in addition to PC, uh, it seems like it's usually PC and Switch for indies, which is rad because I don't like to play games on the PC and I I, I do like to play games on the Switch so far. Um, so I... I'm happy to say that one of the games I was interested in a while ago, good friend. I don't know if he listens to the show. I don't know. We had Carlos
0: Rodell on. He was our first guest on the show. You remember Carlos, don't you, Corey? Of course. I've podcasted with Carlos twice, and you've podcasted with him like a thousand times. Yeah, Carlos is a
1: good guy. We love Carlos. Um, Back in the day, he mentioned a game, an indie game, and it was called The Count Lucanor, L-U-C-A-N-O-R. He was playing it on Steam, I believe, back in the day. And when we talked about it back then on his show, it sounded really interesting and I wanted to check it out. But I just I just don't play games on PC. My, my computer is in a place where it's not really conducive to comfortable gaming. Um, I don't have like a Steam link or anything. I just don't like to mess with computers because I find like my luck is really terrible. I know people say that it's not that bad and it's better than it used to be, which is true. But <clears throat> excuse me. My luck with technology is horrible. I, you know, consoles and me get along just fine, but anything else that requires any kind of finesse or changing of settings or anything weird like that, like it something about my karma, man, just does not work. Like I have more problems than like anybody else when it comes to PC shit. So I tend to stay away from it. So Carlos was telling me about The Count Lucanor and um at, like a week after I bought my Switch, it popped up on the Switch store and I was like, "Oh, damn." It's a game that Carlos was telling me about. I want to check this out. So I bought it like immediately because he's, he spoke really highly of it. And although Carlos and I don't always match up in terms of taste, sometimes we do. And this one seemed like it was my kind of thing. So it's a very small indie game. It is kind of a top down in appearance. It's got uh, pixel art, but the pixel art is beautiful. It's so lush and well done. I mean, I know some people are having kind of allergic reaction to pixel art these days because it seems like every indie is doing it. But like the animation is so good, like in the in the pixel art cutscenes, is just really breathtaking. And there's so much detail and the portraits are really well done. Like it's, it's very beautiful looking. It's gorgeous to look at. Uh, but the premise of this game, The Count Lucanor, is that you play as a little boy. And I think his name is Hans. He's like 10. He just has his 10th birthday. He's like a villager in like... I don't know, like medieval times or something like that. He seems like he's in like a mountain village or something like that, far away, far away from civilization, back in medieval times. So his dad has been conscripted into a war and he has never returned. So his dad's missing. Uh, we don't know if he's going to come back. He's living in this like one room hovel with his mom and they're like fucking like dirt poor, got no money. So it's Hans's tenth birthday and he's like, "Mom, mom, today's my birthday," and she's like, "I know, happy birthday." And he's like, "Where's my presents?" And she's like, "Man." look around you. We're broke as shit. We ain't got no money for presents. <laughs> so he gets really upset and he kind of throws a fit, the kind that a 10-year-old kid would throw. He decides, I'm a man. I'm growing up. I'm leaving. And so his mom's like, uh, okay, catch you later. And so she hooks him up with some goods, piece of cheese, a walking stick, et cetera, et cetera, and lets him go a on his way.
0: piece of cheese?
1: Oh my yeah. God. That was <laughs> the only food they had left was like a piece of cheese. She gives him uh, his grandmother's walking stick. He finds a couple of acorns or whatever and he just like sets out on the road. Um, a couple things happen to set up the story. I'm not going to get too much into it, but basically he winds up following this ghost on the road and this ghost says, oh, you know, if you follow me, I've got a lot of treasure. So if you're into that, you know, come along. And he, you know, him being poor, him wanting to buy presents and, you know, like kids do. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he follows this ghost and he ends up getting trapped in a castle. And so inside the castle, it is revealed that the, the Lord of the castle, who is the Count Lucanor of the title... Has never had a son and he wants a son to give his fortune to. And so he set up a bunch of tests. And uh, anybody who comes in the castle can go through these tests. And if they pass, the count will adopt them as his son and give them his castle and all of his treasure. Uh, But the tests are like fucking fatal and like really terrible and scary and confusing. So like nobody has ever passed any of the tests. The count is getting older. He's getting close to dying. And so Hans is now thinking, this is my shot. I'm going to pass these tests. I'm going to get fucking rich. And I'm going to go back and just be a baller. So that's kind of what the game is about. So it's kind of hard to describe what the gameplay is at first, it seems like kind of a, just like a regular kind of an adventure game or a puzzle game where Hans is trapped inside the castle. There are basically like eight rooms and each room has a different challenge, uh, but you can't access them all at once. Like a lot of the rooms are locked. So you have to like figure out, you know, find a key somewhere, find out what the key goes to. Once that goes inside, then that might lead you to something else you'll pick up an item you can use in a different room. I mean, kind of like the basic way of an adventure game flows. Um, but after a while, um, the guards of the castle appear and they are, they add like this kind of like, not really survival element, but like, there's like an element of danger that you wouldn't normally associate with an adventure game like this. So like these ghosts will appear in a room and they'll search around for Hans and he can, you know, dodge them. And it's not like they're like super, super alert, but they kind of prevent you from doing things. There's also other monsters in the castle. So it it stops you from just like blowing through all the puzzles right away because you have to dodge the monsters. Um, And I mean, that's kind of how it is. I'm about, I don't know exactly how far. I feel like I'm maybe halfway through. I spent a pretty good chunk of time playing it today. And it's just really lovely. I think the puzzles are really well done. Um, Very interesting. And they're not too hard, not too easy. I think that, um, you know, there's a little bit of back and forth in the castle to search around for places to go and things to do. But the castle is not huge. So it doesn't take a lot of time, which is great. And apart from the gameplay, the thing that really sells it is the writing is really funny. Um, It goes back and forth. Well, I mean, it's funny, but it's also creepy. It goes back and forth. On the one hand, uh, Hans will meet some people who are living in the castle, or he'll come across other people that are just like randomly. And pretty much everything he says is funny. Like sometimes he's a smart ass. Sometimes they're a smart ass. Sometimes something really unexpected happens. And it just, it's really weird and goofy and off kilter. And then sometimes it's really creepy. Like, um... I don't want to say jump scares happen because they don't quite happen, but things will pop up that are actually like genuinely creepy or sometimes you'll be in a place where you get like a little bit nervous. I mean, I mean, I'm a famous scaredy cat when it comes to games that are are horror based or anything like that. But um, there was a few times and I was like, oh, God, is there a ghost in here? Oh, shit. And I start getting a little nervous (laughs) and a little worried. And, you know, it's a very cute pixel art game. It's not gory in any way. It's not graphic, but still that sense of suspense and fear does creep in. And there are, there have been a few things that have been pretty fucking creepy. So it walks a good line between funny and creepy. The writing is really, really good. And I think the premise is really good. I'm really enjoying, um, the gameplay of just kind of wandering around, figuring out the puzzles, exploring the castle and, uh, yeah, it's it's coming together just really, really well. I can see why Carlos liked it a lot. I actually like it a lot myself. I really am enjoying it a great deal. Um... The only downside that I can see so far is I got to say, I'm not really a fan of the save system. Um, so what happens is Hans will find gold coins throughout the castle. Sometimes they're in a treasure chest. Sometimes he'll just find them randomly. And gold coins can be used to buy things or you can use them to save. So it's kind of a balance between how, of, how often do I want to save and how, what do I need to buy? Um, and you know, I mean, so far I haven't run out of gold coins, but I've been saving a lot less than I normally would in a game like this. And as soon as the monsters showed up, I did die a couple times. I got killed by monsters once and there are traps in some of the rooms that sometimes are not so obvious. And so I got killed a couple times by some traps and it takes you back to the last point you saved. And since I'm not saving as often as I normally would, because I have a limit of gold coins to save with, Um, I took one really bad death where I lost like maybe like 25 minutes of progress, which I was really not happy about. And I've been trying to save more often, but I'm just paranoid about running out of gold coins. So I don't like the save system. It hasn't been a huge problem. It definitely has added an element of suspense and danger for sure, because now I'm kind of stressed out about when should I go back and save and how far should I try to make it that normally wouldn't be there in a normal adventure game. But at the same time, I don't like losing progress. I hate like having to redo stuff. And sometimes I just forget what I've done because the castle is a bit confusing. It's hard to remember everything, you know, that I might have picked up or like, oh, didn't I have, where'd that torch go? Oh shit. That's right. I forgot to go back and pick up the torch because I died. Oh shit. Where was that? I don't remember where it was. Oh no. You know, that kind of a thing. So not a huge fan of the save system, but everything else is really on point. Great art, great story, great premise, great gameplay. It's been um, a good year for indies. I know people say this is like one of the best year ever. And I think they usually mean the AAA space, which I kind of disagree with. But in terms of indies, I've played a lot of really good indies this year. And this is, this is one more. This is one more to rack up for the Switch. It's good stuff.
0: It sounds like um, the premise of the game... Sounds like if sort of like Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory were made into a game. That's what I immediately thought of whenever you we were talking about it. It is Willy Wonka plus Saw is what it is. Oh, God, that's <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was grim, a much more grim turn than I was expecting. Yeah, this
1: game does is not afraid of getting grim at times, and it's not it's not heavily grim. And in fact, I'm not even sure that I would call it a horror game. But there are definitely like horror elements to it. And there's definitely spooky stuff, but it's also kind of a comedy and it's also kind of light. And it's it's kind of this weird juggling act between all these different elements, but it really works. Like they really pull it off really well. And it all, it's, it's like a dish that has many different um, seasonings on it. And they all kind of come together to make one kind of harmonious whole. I'm really liking it a lot. I really enjoy it. Um, that first time that I lost all that progress, I was really kind of pissed and I kind of took a break Uh, because that sucked. But I came back and I've been saving, you know, trying to be more cautious about it. And I haven't had another big spill since then. Hopefully that will continue. Um, And as long as the saving doesn't become a problem, uh, I think I will end up being a pretty big fan of this game.
0: So thumbs up so far, just heads up about that save thing. Well, in the event that I ever play this, which is probably slim, I will uh, take your advice for the save system.
1: Yeah, if you ever get a Switch, man, you might want to check into this one. I don't know that it'll be necessarily your thing, but I think it's definitely worth investigating. So anyway, the Count Lucanor on Switch, um, I think I picked it up on sale, but I think it retail full prices for, I want to say it's either $10 or $15. And so far, I feel like it's been worth it. So keep an eye out for that one, folks. Um, Corey, I've talked a bunch. Let's get to <laughs> you, man. I am very curious to hear about Black Mirror. We talked about it last episode. This is the kind of semi point and click adventure game where you're like in the scottish castle or something (laughs) and there's spooky stuff going on um i'm curious to see did you did you finish it did you not finish it how's the story doing what do you think of it so far what's up
0: um i have not finished it i think i'm a really close like maybe like one chapter away from finishing it um And really, I mean, I would not have given an update on this game yet, but literally it's the only thing I've played since I've been back in town. Like I played about an hour of it today and I played about 20 minutes last night before I went to bed. So uh, if I didn't talk about this, I basically would have nothing to talk about. Um, But it is, I mean, it is worth talking about. I still think um, it's a pretty good game, uh, pleasantly surprising, not the kind of game I would have gone for had I seen it on the PSN or something, but I'm glad that I'm playing it. Um, A couple of just like weird things that I want to mention or maybe like things that have popped up that I want to mention that maybe I'm not so keen on are um, there's a section that I got to late in the game and I'm going to try to keep this as spoiler free as possible where like I said last week the game has like it has fixed camera angles but they kind of pan with you as you walk around and you can also use the right stick to kind of pan them in a direction that you want to. Um, but you can't, you don't have like full on camera control around the character. And there are a few areas where like I'll walk into a room and by the time I get to where I'm going in the room, I can't remember like how to get out of the room. And it's a really, it's a really stupid, like embarrassing problem to have. But I like went into the basement in one part and you have to like go down there and like inspect something and do this little like puzzle kind of thing and leave And I swear to God, I ran in circles in this basement for like 10 minutes trying to figure out where I came in from because you don't have full camera control. And eventually, I figured it out and got out of there and moved on with the game. But something else that comes with these kind of uh, fixed cameras, if you will, is if you give me a game with fixed camera angles, I'm probably in like the 5% on this, but I like the combination of fixed cameras and tank controls. And when I say tank controls, if you don't know what that means, it is old school Resident Evil style controls where if you press up on the D-pad or on the control stick, that means the character will move forward. If you press left and right, they will turn left and right. And if you press back, they will start walking backwards. Because if you get a 3D control scheme, which basically means whatever direction you push the control stick, that's the direction they move on the screen. You have a dissonance with fixed cameras, where say you're pressing left, the character is running left across the screen, and then the camera angle changes, and suddenly left doesn't mean the same thing it meant two seconds ago before the camera angle changed. So then you have to readjust which where you're pushing the thumbstick to get the character to run in the new direction. And something that's happening to me a, a lot in Black Mirror, especially in a certain sort of like more open section later in the game is the camera keeps changing so rapidly that I will be moving, the camera will change. I'll have to like, I I'll, I'll, I think I'll press the new direction fast enough to get the character moving in that direction, but they never will. And so I'll have this weird like thing where they like kind of pause or they run into a wall and then I have to turn them around and get them going in the new direction. And then the camera changes and they run into another wall or I end up making them run backwards or something. And then I have to like readjust the control stick to get them going in the right direction. And I know tank controls aren't everybody's cup of tea, but what I like about them is if I press up, the character's going to move forward no matter what. And if the camera angle changes, it's always a smooth transition. And I kind of wish this game just had a tank control assignment because it gets really annoying whenever I'm trying to move a character around and the camera angle keeps changing and then they keep accidentally running in the wrong direction. I also ran into this with uh, a game called white Knight that I played a couple of years ago. I remember, um, I
1: remember. Yes.
0: Yeah. It was the same thing. Like it was fixed cameras. You're running around a mansion. It's dark. The visibility is not super clear. And every time the camera angle changes, I had to like pause for two seconds to figure out how to orient my character to get where they're going in the new section. And I mean, it's fixed cameras. And 3D controls do not work that well together, um, even though, like I said, I doubt a lot of people are clamoring for tank controls again. Um, I just prefer that. I loved fixed cameras. I wish that somebody would make, like, a new version of an old-school Resident Evil. I mean, it seems like every indie developer out there is so keen to make the next Zelda or the next Mega Man or the next fucking franchise that I don't care about, and I wish that somebody would make a new Resident Evil Um and, you know, do fixed camera, tank controls, that kind of thing. Um, and the other thing, um, and this is really, this is a really stupid thing. Um, I just wanted to talk about it for a second because I can't believe I forgot to talk about it on the last show. Um, there's a character in this game named Rory, and he's like a partially blind, like really old uh, gardener kind of guy that lives at the estate that kind of like fixes things and is like a maintenance guy and he like gardens and stuff like that. And, for some reason, I cannot figure out if it's intentional or if it's like a Scottish accent thing that I don't know, or if it's just the voice actor not knowing how to pronounce certain words. But every time he says the word, I think it's no and new, like K N E W and K N O W, he pronounces it Ken, like K E N. And I oh, can- yeah. I cannot figure out if it's like it what, means what
1: understand. It, it's like, it's a, it's a word, yeah. Like, you can something, a word? you understand it. Yeah, it's a word. It's an old school word. How have I never heard of that? I don't know. But yeah, it's super old, uh, old timey, where people will say, like, you can, like, you understand it, yeah.
0: Well, that, all right. I was hoping, honestly, that whenever I came on the show and talked about it, that you would have the answer, or one of the listeners would be like, oh, yeah, it means this thing. Yeah, I had no, I mean, it makes sense, because he's like a fucking old character in the game. He's probably like... 70 in the game or 80. And um, so I guess that makes sense. But I had no clue that was a thing. And every time he's like, oh, akin this. I'm like, what does that mean? Like, what does he not know how to read? Is that like an accent thing that I don't understand? So thank you, Brad, for clearing that up for me. You got it. I am here for your enrichment, sir. <laughs> um, but I mean, last uh, last but not least, um, I'm still pretty on board with Black Mirror. Uh, the story it kind of like takes a little while to get where it's going and then it kind of like hits the ground and kind of goes fast in like a certain direction and I mean I kind of appreciate that about it it kind of gets going quickly because it's one of those games where for the first like two hours you kind of have no idea how long it's going to be or how paced it's going to be or like really what the overall story arc is but by the time you get maybe like between the second and third hour things really kind of start to heat up and you get going down a certain path and Uh, Like I said, I feel like I'm pretty close to the end. I hope um, or, you know, I'm betting that maybe I've got like maybe an hour or two left. Um, The story definitely takes some twists and turns, uh, most of which I was not expecting, but also most of which because I really I haven't been like thinking about all the possible outcomes that could come out of the story. I've just kind of been like letting it take me on its way. So a lot of the, the story developments have been um, maybe not shocking, but just like a little bit surprising. Just like, a, oh, I wasn't expecting that or, oh, I didn't really put that and that together. So, um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's still pretty entertaining. It's kind of, it's still kind of janky. It got a patch today. I downloaded a patch for it today and I don't know what the patch did, but it didn't seem to fix any like things that I noticed that are going on <laughs> in the game. So, I mean, it's not to say that the game is like held together by, like, duct tape, but it's just, like, got some very um, quirky things about it, Uh, but it gives us some character, and it gives it some charm, and I I appreciate that about it. Gives it charm. Gives it charm.
1: Quirky charm. So it sounds, um, I don't know. I mean, I I want you to tell me all about the story when you're done with it, because I'm curious, because I always want to know story twists for games that I'm not going to play, because I just like to get those ideas. (laughs) I like to hear what people came up with but I do not want to play this, but that's just because I'm not really a guy who plays a lot of these type of games, like kind of the, the slow, puzzly, walking around kind of adventure type games. I don't play those too often. Um, would you recommend this uh, based on what you've seen so far to people who like adventure games or like, like what, what would you say this is close to? Like, like one of those, Oh, if you like X, then you'll like black mirror. Like what wow. is this kind yeah. of analogous
0: to? This is hard because I don't play a lot of games like this. Um, I mean, like like I said last week, it's kind of, sort of similar to a Telltale game because you know, it's like exploring, it's a lot of dialogue, but it's not timed dialogue options. You just, you know, uh, you have pl- you have all the time in the world to decide what you want to say, and you kind of get to go through every dialogue option rather than just picking one of four every time. And it's like a lot of puzzle solving. But the more I get into the game, the less the puzzles become like a, like an intricate part of it. So a lot of it is just walking around talking to people kind of understanding what the next thing you want to do is and then going to that space and doing that thing and kind of seeing the story develop so I mean it's like a little bit like a telltale game but it doesn't at all have that telltale um sort of like experience that I don't like where it kind of just feels like you're playing a cutscene because that's how telltale games feel to me it kind of feels like you're just watching the game for 90% of it and you're just like pressing a random button every 10 minutes to like say something or do something. This does not feel like that. You're nearly always in full control of what's going on and exploring and everything. So maybe if like you're into a Telltale game but you want something a little bit spookier that's a little more puzzle-based, that's not like Twitch reflex, dialogue options and stuff like that, then like maybe this would be your bag. Okay, got it, got it.
1: All right. Well, sounds good, man. I think this is probably going to be the last time we talk about it on the show, but I want the scoop after you're done. I want to hear (laughs) all of the twists and turns. I want all of the spoilers for this game. So Um, let's move on real quick. We still got plenty to talk about. Um, Jumping back to me for a second, I did play another indie on the Switch. Like I said earlier, good year for indies on the Switch, good year for the Switch in general. Uh, The one I'm going to talk about now, Indie Ass Indie Game, capital I, (laughs) capital I Indie. Uh, It's called Opus, O-P-U-S, Opus, The Day We Found Earth. Uh, Apparently this has been on PC for a while. I don't know how long, but it is now on PC and Switch. Like I said, this seems to be the new jam. Uh, So this is a pretty narrative heavy game. There's not very much gameplay to it, which is kind of okay. I've heard some people compare it to a visual novel. I don't think I would go that far because there's not really that much reading and there's not that much dialogue, but it's definitely about just kind of following the story long, doing just enough gameplay to keep the story moving. Um, the premise is that you play a robot who is on a... I mean, I guess they call it a ship, but it looks to me more just like a giant telescope in space, like a, just like a giant satellite. It doesn't really look like a spaceship to me, but they call it a ship. And this takes place like thousands and thousands of years in the future. In fact, it's so far in the future that people humans who live in space think that Earth is a myth because it's, they just haven't been on Earth for so long they don't think it was ever real And so what's going on is that people living in space notice that their DNA is corrupting because there's too much uh, like inbreeding going on not enough not enough uh, gene mixing you know to keep the keep the bloodlines healthy. So these scientists think they need they need to find original Earth to somehow, um, you know, maybe there are still people living there that they can use to repair their genome. And so they are in the ship in deep space, looking through a telescope, trying to find Earth. So this is their project. They are just like desperately looking around, trying to find Earth. Um, You play a robot who is assisting the doctor who is leading the program. And it's just really cute. Like the art style is very cute, um, colorful, very simple, but it's very uh, appealing the space ship or space station, whatever, very small. It's shaped almost like a cylinder. You start at the top of the cylinder where the telescope is. And as the game progresses, you gradually unlock more and more rooms, kind of working your way down the cylinder so that by the time you unlock the final room at the bottom of the cylinder, you're pretty close to the end of the game. And there's only like four or five rooms. I mean, the whole game in total probably two hours long, maybe three hours long, something like that. It's not, it's not super big. It's like, it's like a one or two sitting game. So I think the, it's a good premise. I think the premise is really interesting. And I think that the robot is really cute that you play and the dialogue is really cute. Um, It's not a ton of text, but it's just like, you know, the robot is kind of struggling because he doesn't understand certain things. He's very basic functions. Basically his job is to look through the telescope over and over and over and over and over and try to find earth. And, um, you know, he talks to the doctor and it's kind of just, it's, it's really cute. I don't want to say too much about it because I don't to spoil anything for this two hour game because then you're not going to buy it. (laughs) Um, but, uh, I really like it a lot. I think it's really cute. I think it's a good fit for the switch. It's really bite-sized. Um, it's good to just play, you know, a little bit here, a little bit there. I think I played it in like maybe three or four quick snatches throughout the day, play a little bit, then I have to go do something, come back, play a little bit more, take a break, come back. I mean, it's, it's pretty quick play. Um, the only th- thing that I would bring up that is a problem is that I think the gameplay has a lot of really significant design challenges or, or problems. Um, it's not great. So basically what the gameplay is, is you play as a robot, you look through the telescope, and at first they'll say, oh, hey, robot, we need to find um, uh, a potential planet at coordinates, you know, 2, dash 3, plus whatever, whatever. It's like map coordinates basically. And so you look through the telescope and as you move the telescope around, you're looking at a star field and there are little numbers on the top. And so you can, you can basically tell, you know, kind of where you're at. Not a problem. And not exactly the most compelling gameplay, but it's fine. I mean, it fits the theme of the game and really you're there for the story. You're not there for like, you know, the gameplay or anything. Not a problem. But as the game progresses... Um, they kind of like make it a little bit more and more complicated. After a while, you have to use like a filter on your telescope lens. And after a while, they just stop telling you coordinates. You just have to kind of guess and look around for something that looks right, which ordinarily would be fine. But the problem, the big problem is that when you look at the star field, um, you know, the space around you, you cannot zoom out and see the entire map at once. You're just kind of looking at small sections of it. And it's really hard to kind of keep your bearings. It's like, like they'll say, oh, please find the planet that is, um, you know, like three squares to the right and two squares up from your home star. Okay, well, I know where the home star is. And then you start to move the screen to look around, but then you kind of lose track. Like how far have I gone? Have I gone two squares? Did I go one? Did I go three? I don't know. And you can't really zoom out to get a sense of where you're at. Like you can't just look at the whole map at once. And so a lot of time is spent kind of just like randomly wandering around um, trying to get the telescope in the right place. Uh, there are some hints that they give you, but they're not very clear at all. And I think that they could have gone much further in making it easy to find out where these things are. In fact, I would have I would have been fine if there was no challenge in finding them at all, because it's really not the it's it's really not why you're there. Like, you look at the stars to move the story forward because uh, that's just you know I guess what you got to do. His job is looking at stars and planets, and so of course you're going to do some of that. But to kind of make it tricky and to spend some time just like randomly kind of like moving your telescope around, hoping you're in the right section is just not really compelling and it's not really fun. Thankfully, none of it is very long. And if you wander around for a while, the game knows that you're lost. And so like this little hint bubble will come up. And if you pop the hint bubble, it will like point an arrow in the direction you're supposed to go. So if you do one or two of those hint bubbles, it'll just basically lead you exactly where you need to go which is fine, but I would have been fine just going to the place where I need to go or at least let me see the whole map and I can very easily figure out where I need to go, like no problem at all. So I think that not letting you see the whole map makes it more difficult than it needs to be. And it doesn't really add any challenge or doesn't really add any fun. It just kind of takes a while to like work through it. it doesn't even really capture the feeling of like randomly searching stars or anything. It's kind of just an annoyance, honestly. Um, <laughs> but you get through it quickly enough. And then when you get back to the story, I think the story is pretty cute and rewarding. And I really did enjoy the story. I'm glad that I played this and I'm glad I saw it all the way through. Um, overall, I mean, I really enjoyed it and I especially enjoyed that it was so brief. It would be more of a solid recommendation if the searching for stars wasn't so dull and kind of like unfocused and unpolished. Um, so it's only kind of like a half and half recommendation. But it's only like five bucks. It's only two hours. And if you're a fan of like kind of offbeat indie games or narrative games, or if you like the idea of trying to find Earth with this robot and the doctor, um, I think it it delivers on that end. I mean, I think I was satisfied with where they where they took that. Um, Just be prepared to kind of
0: get through a little bit of a random, random star searching. This sounds like the kind of indie ass indie game that is like super duper out my alley. It is up your alley or out of your alley? Uh, Up my alley. Uh, What what did I say that was appealing to you? I I think, like, the brevity of it, probably, and, like, the science fiction-y premise both sound like something that I could really get behind. As you're talking about it, I'm thinking about, although I'm sure they have very little in common, um, I kept thinking about Alone with You while you were talking about this game, and it just makes me want to play it.
1: Yeah, there are similar vibes, for sure. I mean... Alone With You is a much longer and more complicated game, although it's not really that complicated to begin with. <laughs> but I mean, that just kind of goes to show how simple um, Opus is. I mean, it's extremely simple. Very, very simple. Uh, very straightforward. There's not a lot to it. But I think that's fine. I, I think every game that, you know, not every game needs a bunch of complicated gameplay and secrets to unlock and stuff. I mean, um, I will say, though, I will say something that was really weird was after I finished the game, they treat you to a, an ending screen where they give you your results. And it was like, Oh, 67% completion. And I'm like, huh? I did every single thing you told me to. And I even did the extra stuff you told me to, and I wasn't aware of anything else to do. So where the fuck is the other percentage? (laughs) Like, what did what did I not do? Like, I don't know what I, I have no idea what I didn't do. So that was kind of bizarre. Um, I don't think that I would want to play it again unless it was significantly different and I don't think it would be. So, I'm, I mean, maybe I was supposed to like click on random stars or maybe I was supposed to discover some hidden thing. I mean, I don't I don't know what I missed, but I did every single thing that I knew about and uh, that was only 67% of the game. So, um, developers, if you're listening to this, please email me and tell me <laughs> what I missed or if there's some other good part of the, the content that I need to do, that would be great. Um, also... Uh, one thing that I want to mention really, really quick, um, kind of a strange place to bring it up on a podcast because we are an audio format, but after you finish the game, there is a bunch of audio logs recorded by the developer talking about the game, the game design process, like how they went through the ideas and so forth and so on. There's a lot to listen to, which is cool because I generally like that kind of a stuff, um, you know, to talk about what they went through and their their ideas and how things change and all that. I think that's interesting. Um but it's all audio. It's 100% audio. And I played this game with the sound off because I was playing it at work. And so I can't listen to something playing. I can't have headphones in because I'm supposed to be, you know, quote unquote, paying attention. Um, so I did not, I was not able to listen to that stuff. And I thought it was really lame that they didn't um, have text for that because I can hear. And at some point I can come back home, turn on the audio, put in some headphones. But, you know, we have a lot of um, hearing impaired gamers that come to GameCritics.com. We put that hearing information on all of our games. I was really bummed to see that there was no text option for that. That was a real shame. And I felt, um, I mean, I felt locked out of the content and I'm a, I can hear like, just fine. I just, you know, not the right time in the place. But if I was a deaf uh, gamer and I was playing this and then that was what my bonus was, I'd be fucking pissed. So I think that they should have taken the time to um, type all that stuff up and like, you know, some text to go along, some subtitles to go along with it. So, I don't know if that was budgetary. Maybe they didn't think of it, whatever. Um, Hopefully, they will add that at some point, because I think that would be worth adding. But overall, really liked it. Like I said, it's five bucks, two hours. It's super cute. Um, I think it's really nice, and it was a good fit for the Switch. Really, really appreciate it. It's also on Steam, I believe, so
0: there you go. You think you're going to go for it? Uh, Well, I don't have a Switch, so I don't. Do you know if it's on other platforms? I do not know because, as we said it earlier, I am terrible at pre-show
1: research. <laughs> uh, I'm sure. I mean, I don't know. It's on Steam. You play stuff on your laptop sometimes, don't you? Uh, every once in a while. Yeah, maybe. This is super simple. I mean, I bet. I bet uh, my toaster could probably run this game. It's really, really simple. <laughs> oh
0: so. uh, well, the more uh, the more you talk about the Switch, the more I want to get one because I don't like. I mean, we've said on the show a million times like neither of us are super duper into Nintendo games me especially um but it's such a weird feeling to want a Nintendo console because it has like such a breadth of other stuff on it that's not Nintendo because everybody buys Nintendo consoles because they want the new Mario game they want the new Zelda they want the new Metroid they want the new Mario Kart or whatever else is coming out and Honestly, I don't really care about any of those games. I'm not into uh, like super duper into most Nintendo first party franchises anymore. So it's just a strange feeling to want a Switch so that I can play like these indie games that might or might not ever come to PlayStation Four or Xbox One or uh, you know PC stuff that I don't want to play because I don't really like playing on PC much like you. Um, but I uh, I don't know, Brad. You're like brainwashing me into wanting a Switch. <laughs> Well,
1: I'm, it's, it's funny you say that because I was actually thinking about that today because I I think I've played ARMS, which is a Nintendo game. But other than that, I, don't, I haven't played any other Nintendo game and I don't really have any interest to at the moment. I mean, I'm sure I'll get to Mario at some point, but I feel like absolutely zero desire to play it right now. I mean, I watched my wife play a good chunk of it and I'm like, I'm good. Like, I don't really play <laughs> that. But yeah, I mean, I'm really thrilled. I mean, I think I've downloaded probably eight or nine indie games and I have a bunch on my wish list. I have to say I really do like the shop. I actually love the Switch online shop. Um, just to diverge a little bit. The thing I like about it is that it always shows you the stuff that's new right on top. So like you all you have to do is like look at the list and you can scroll down and then as soon as you see something that you've already seen then you know you've seen everything new because it's just it's just a really simple list. And if you don't remember where you left off. You can look at every single thing like in one giant list, which I love. I love just looking at one list. I don't want things broken up into categories. I don't want, you know, look over here for this, look over here for that. I seriously just want to like have one list. Tell me every single thing that's on the console and let me just look at all of it and then I will pick and choose. And the thing that really makes it extra good is that there is a really easy to use wishlist function, which I love. Um, I People probably don't know this, but if you go to PSN on the computer, there is a wish list function, which is great. But it is not on the console, which is crazy. There should be a wish list on the console. I don't know why they haven't done it. It really fucking needs it. It's way overdue. Drives me fucking bonkers that they don't do it on the console. <laughs> so I log into my PC and check the PSN store because that's where I can do the wish list. Um, but on the Switch, very easy. You click any game, put it on your wish list. You go to your, um, go to the store. You can see your wish list. It's all right there. If anything's on sale, it'll pop up there. You can delete it real easily. You can add to it real easily. It's just super, super comprehensive and easy to manage. And I just really adore it. So um, I've got probably eight or nine indies downloaded to my Switch. I've probably got at least another five or six on my wish list that I haven't bought yet. And more are coming all the time. So I've actually really been getting into it like in an indie sense. I mean, I've been um, taking it with me to work. I think we kind of talked about this last episode. Uh, it is a total fail when I try to pull it out and play it. I just, it doesn't work. It's too big. (laughs) And I noticed that like I, the games that I'm buying on it, I really have to focus on. Like I can't just jump in and jump out. So it, when I have like a half an hour, 20 minutes or an hour, I'll bust it out for that. And that's really cool. Um, but yeah, man, I'm just, I'm just getting all the indies and I've really been enjoying it. I really like all these games that are coming to it. So I'm really, really pleased. Um, if you are, yeah, if you're, if you're feeling the indie itch, I think it's, it's good. That is what it's for. That is what it's going to be for me is I don't think it's going to be the Nintendo machine. It's going to be the indie machine.
0: And unlike, and I can eat all of the words I've ever said about this, but unlike previous Nintendo consoles, it's really refreshing that the switch is not that hard to find. Like, I mean, going into Christmas, it might be a little more difficult to find, but I was in uh target one of the local targets around here like a week ago and they had one or two on the shelf they all like probably about 90 percent of the time i go into a target because that's where i do most of my shopping just everyday shopping they have at least one switch in stock and i mean you couldn't say that about the wii u you couldn't say that about the wii um you couldn't say that about the nes classic you sure as hell can't say that about the snes classic but it's just nice that you can like actually find this console in stores and it's not like super duper hard to get a hold of.
1: Yeah, for sure. For sure. And, uh, you know, it's pretty affordably priced too. So that's really a plus as well. I mean, I wouldn't really recommend it, um, as just a single console. Like I wouldn't want it to be my only console and I don't want every single game ported to it because I know that's kind of the thing now where like people want every single thing to be on the switch. I don't think that's a good fit. It's not a good fit for everything. Um, I mean, just in, in, in terms of raw horsepower, it's not able to keep up with the big boys. And, you know, I just I wouldn't want to play on that platform. I think it's good for indies. I think it's good for small experiences. But I, the screen is not that big when it comes to like, you know, big, expansive, huge, big things that I really would want to see on my TV. So I don't want everything on it. But for what it does so far, like for me using it as an indie machine, it's been pretty awesome. So I really like it a lot. And I think this is probably, man, I'm trying to think of another nintendo console that i've liked as much as this one i mean maybe i don't know the snes probably because um, i have not been a fan of nintendo in recent years but this one they have really got it right i feel like they're really on a good track
0: i'm really pleased good good um do you have anything else to say about uh opus or the switch before we move on
1: No, no, nothing much except for um, the developers sent me a tweet and they're like, hey, thanks for playing our game. Really looking forward to your thoughts. And I'm like, oh, good timing. I'm writing my review right now. (laughs) Um, And I I feel like it's going to be a really good and fair review. But since the telescope searching is kind of a bummer and it's a big part of the game, um, probably not going to be as high as they would like to see. But I still recommend it. Like, it's, it's still a good game. So... Anyway, look uh, at GameCritics.com in the next week or so for that review. That'll go up fairly soon. Um, one more thing before we move on to the trailer talk and the other random topics. Just uh, another installment of
0: Weekly Warframe. <laughs> did you get that cool sound I asked you for? Uh, no, I did not, and I probably never will.
1: Damn it. Okay, just imagine <laughs> imagine a really cool... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, some cool sound. Oh, my gosh. Um. See, now, if you don't want that embarrassing sand there, you got to go cut something in that's really cool. Otherwise, you're going to have to go with my my homemade uh, poor man's <laughs> foley mouth sounds. So <laughs> anyway, um, so this week for Warframe, I want to talk about the story a little bit, uh, just for a minute. Um, I know that when people start the game, there's really like almost no story. Like they kind of tell you a little bit to get started. And then once you get into the game proper, it's just like running a bunch of missions, a lot of shooting, a lot of running, a lot of dodging. Um collecting resources, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. And even I wasn't sure if there was a story um, for a while. <clears throat> but there is. I don't think it was there initially. And I've talked to some Warframe old timers who were like, oh, yeah, they added some of this later on. So it definitely wasn't there from the beginning. But at some point, they must have realized their game was popular enough and people were into it enough that they wanted like more to it than just the action. So they went and retrofitted some story in. Um, I mean, it must have been a couple years ago now. Uh, but it is now fully baked inside. And I have to say, when you get to the end of the campaign, uh, there are a couple quests. My wife and I just finished, like, I mean, the game's not over by any means. There's still tons to do, tons of quests to do, tons of new content we haven't even scratched. I mean, there's, it, it's by no means is the game over, but you can finish the quote unquote, like core campaign and get to the end of that story. Um, and it was just like, it was fucking awesome. Like it was really, really good. I was really surprised because it seems like you're not doing anything but like random shooting. But as the game goes on, they start dropping hints. They start layering in a few things. You start talking to some people. I mean, and this is, to be fair, this takes a significant time investment to get to. Like, I mean, at this point, I'm probably, I don't know, 150 hours into the game, pretty far in. Um, But it's been fun. I mean, it's not like I've been waiting for the story. I mean, I've been really enjoying playing the whole time. So it's been it's been enjoyable to do. But it it gets pretty hard after a while. And you have to really, you know, spend some time building up your character, etc, etc. You can't just you can't just beeline it and make it to the end. But um, when we got to the story quests, I mean, it was pretty fucking cool. Like they've they pulled out some surprise twists that I didn't see coming. Um, They kind of put the whole game in a new light, like secrets were revealed things popped up. And like, it really felt like this amazing kind of like bow on top of the package that I've been enjoying so much so far, like to go through these events and to see these reveals that I had no idea were even coming. And then to see the stuff that they had planned, it was really, really fucking cool. So I'm really glad that I um, stuck with it. I'm really glad that it was in there because I mean, even though I finished that stuff and I'm still just, you know, playing my daily missions and doing just random stuff here and there with the wife or whatever, Um, Just being able to put a little bit of that depth of story into it really gave the whole game a really nice richness to it. And they did such a great job. I mean, I wish I could talk about it. But number one, it's not going to mean as much to people who haven't played through the game. I mean, you kind of have to have the proper context to understand what's going on. Uh, But also, I wouldn't want to take that away from anybody. Anybody who has started Warframe for me talking about it or anybody who's jumping in now. It is such an amazing reveal, such an amazing bit of story content. Um, It's just fucking, fucking cool. Like, People told me about it and they said it was good. And I kind of had my shields up like, oh, yeah, sure. You know, whatever. I don't know. I'm not really easily impressed, but it was really fucking cool. So um, I just want to say that there is a, stor- a story in Warframe. It's fucking awesome when you get there. The <laughs> reveals are amazing and it's going to take you a while. But if you persist, if, I mean, and if you like the game in general, don't play for the story. Like, I'm not I'm not saying this to say this story is good. You should play 150 hours to get the story. No, no, no. I'm just saying if you like this game. If you like the way it plays, play the game and then you have the story to look forward to when you get to it. But don't don't like jump into this for the narrative. Like, no, 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 it's not it's not that much of a narrative, but it is fucking awesome when you get there. I was just like I was just thinking it was the best fucking thing ever. It's really, really good. So (laughs) kudos to kudos to the story beats in Warframe. Um, Great, great stuff.
0: You're like a little kid in a candy store when it comes to Warframe.
1: I know. It is the game that keeps on giving, man. I got to say, it's been the last game that gripped me this hard was Monster Hunter for sure. And um, now that Monster Hunter is coming up, I'm like, oh dear, I've only got enough. T- I don't even have enough time for Warframe, let alone Game Critic stuff that I need to do. And now that Monster Hunter is coming out and that looks fucking amazing, I'm like, oh shit. Like, I don't. There literally not enough hours in the day, dude. Like, there's just not. <laughs> so I don't know what's going on. I don't know what we're going to do, but uh, I will cross that bridge when I come to it. So, anyway. Love the story in Warframe. Fucking amazing reveals. Really love the narrative twists that happened. That was just like, ah, so fucking cool. I wish I could explain and express how cool it was without <laughs> spoiling it. But fucking fucking cool. So, anyway, um trailer time, Corey. Trailers, trailer, trailer, trailers. We watched trailers, didn't we?
0: Uh, I watched like five, so I'm definitely not up to speed on all of those. Yeah,
1: that's fine. I mean, in fact. Maybe we should change gears a little bit because I know that we originally had anticipated that this section was going to be us talking about the trailers that were shown during um, the Game Awards, also the trailers that were shown during PSX. Um, But to be honest with you, a lot of them were not really that notable to me. And I know that you were really pressed for time, so you didn't get a chance to watch as many as you would have liked to. Um, I mean, maybe this is a good time to just kind of like randomly pick and choose a couple things to talk about. Maybe I'll, I'll pick and choose from my list of random topics and we can just kind of stumble our way to the end of the show what do you think
0: uh that sounds fine um but honestly okay so i i'm just going to name off the games for the trailers i watch right now because i really like didn't i mean i i only watched like the tra- i watched a trailer for mulaka i hope i'm saying that correctly children of morta moonlighter donut county soul Calibur. uh tower 57 and I think 20XX and Metro Exodus. Those are the, uh, the trailers that I watched. And I don't, like, I I never want to be that guy, but I'm going to be that guy for a second. Um, <laughs> like, I, I don't, like, I hate being that guy that's always like, oh, I don't care. Nothing impressed me. But, like, I watched these trailers, and honestly, like, I didn't watch any of them thinking, like, wow, like, this is a game that, looks really interesting or a game that I really want to play or something that really like piques my interest or something like that like I just watched all of them and I was like okay well this game looks like that game and this game looks like it's trying to rebuff that game and this game looks like that game and oh there's another metro like I don't I've never been into the metro games I tried the first two could not get into them uh, so more likely than not I will not be into the new metro so I just am not picking up what they're putting down for the trailers that I watched. And I'm sorry to say that, but that is, uh, just what I was feeling earlier. No, you know, that's
1: quite all right. Um, that's quite all right because I had a little bit more time than you did and I watched through a bunch of the trailers and, you know, I mean, there was definitely a few where I was like, Oh, I'll probably play that or I'll probably play that. But like there were very few that were like, Oh geez, like that looks amazing or, Oh my God, I can't wait to get to that. I mean, um, I mean, I'll call out a few here. And if you have feelings, I mean, feel free to jump in. Um, I think Donut County is pretty interesting. I don't know how well it communicated during uh, the trailer. I actually didn't watch this trailer because I played it at PAX. Uh, this is the one where you are, I guess you play as a whole and you, <laughs> I know, right? I know the jokes kind of write themselves here, folks. Um, you play as a literal whole. And you, you move around the ground until you find something that's small enough for you to, to suck into yourself. And then you grow a little bit, your hole gets bigger when you put something in it. Oh and my then, God. I know, right? I know, I know. This is, this is choice. This is choice. The hole gets bigger, the more stuff you put into it. And then the hole gets bigger and bigger. So you can take bigger and bigger things. Oh, my God. I'm not making this up. This is totally (laughs) what the game is. And so eventually your goal is to like, you know, suck in everything that's in the area you're in. Basically, it's kind of like um,
0: Katamari Damacy. You played that, haven't you? Yeah, that's exactly what I thought when I watched this trailer. I was like, this is like reverse Katamari to me. Exactly. That is literally
1: what this is. Instead of being a ball that starts small and get bigger by picking things up. You're a hole that starts small and you get bigger by sucking things in. So, I mean, kind of basically the same concept, just instead of a ball, you're a hole. So, um, I, I enjoyed the Katamari games or at least the first one or two. I mean, I didn't play all of them. It kind of got old after a while, but I mean, I thought this looked pretty cute. I mean, would you give this one a spin? Do you think?
0: Uh, I would definitely play it. It looks cute and it looks charming, but it's not something I'm like salivating for. Yeah, totally. I mean, me neither. I mean, when it
1: pops up on PSN, I'll probably grab it if it's 10 bucks or something, but yeah, it's not like I'm, uh, like really like super dying to play it but it looks it looks good it looks solid um something else let me get let me look down the list here let's look down the list here something that i was interested in was flipping death did you watch that trailer i did not did you ever play stick it to the man on ps4 no what is Have that you heard of it no okay so there's a studio called zoink i believe their name is and they're from i want to say i don't know uh I never know what to call that area. Like, it's not, you know, like the Norwegian area, like Sweden and Norway and Denmark and all those places. Like, I don't like what do you call that in aggregate? Like, is it um, I mean, is it part of Europe? Is it its own thing? Like, what do you even call it?
0: I am not the right person to ask this question. Fuck.
1: I'm a, sure I'm totally offending a bunch of people. and I, I apologize. I'm I'm just an ignorant American and we don't learn these things in school. So I don't know what to call that area. Scandinavia. No, that is Scandinavia. Shit. I'm an idiot, dude. People are going to listen to this. They're like, these guys don't know shit about geography. And you know what? You're right. I don't. Um, Anyway, studios from one of those areas, they put out Stick It to the Man, which is on PS4. It is a brilliant game and super underrated. Like nobody but me played this game. Uh, It was about a guy who has an alien fall to earth and it lands up in his head and it gives him the power to eavesdrop on people's thoughts. And so he goes around listening to people's thoughts and like solving their problems while at the same time trying to escape FBI agents who are trying to take the alien out of his head. And has this really super hyper abstract art style played kind of like a 2d platformer, but there was also a lot of adventure elements reminded me a lot of like psychonauts, but I actually liked it a lot more than psychonauts. I thought it was funnier and I thought the gameplay was better. The story was better, Uh, but nobody has ever played stick it to the man. And that is a shame because that game is great. And in fact, it's on sale right now for like three bucks on PSN. Um, so flipping death is the spiritual successor to stick it to the man. In this game, you play a girl who dies and she goes over to the other side. But the, why they call it flipping death is like when you look at the game screen, it's the colorful, regular world 2D. looks like paper cutouts, basically. When she goes to the other side, it's like the whole game screen flips over and there's like a dark side on the back of it. And that's like the undead ghostly side or whatever. So she can go back and forth between the living side and the dead side, and when she comes back to the living side, she takes control of people. She can control, like, objects or take control of people to accomplish tasks and do puzzles. Um, The writing in these games is really, really good. I thought Sticking to the Man was really funny. They did another game called Zombie Vikings, which I actually didn't like that one as much because um, they ditched the puzzles and went for brawler combat, which was not nearly as compelling, really kind of boring, but still funny writing. Um, These guys have a great sense of humor and I like what they do. So I'm really excited for flipping death. Sound like your thing or
0: no? Uh, It sounds like it makes me want to look up Stick It to the Man because that sounds like something I would be interested in.
1: Oh, man. Some of that shit in Stick It to the Man was so good, like so brutal. (laughs) Um, The sense of humor from that area of the world can be really dark sometimes and I kind of appreciate that. And they, they got away with so much in that game when it comes to the script. Like there's a few lines where I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe they just said that like really, really brutal, but in a good way, like really funny. I would recommend it. Um, you know, it's super, super cheap. Uh, it's download, but I think there's also hard copy available. I mean, I think I saw it at GameStop for like two or three bucks or something like that. It's like dirt cheap. Check it out. It is a really, really good game. Um, other trailers that stood out, I mean, God, I mean, like you, not a lot did you, did you get a chance to watch the Monster Hunter World trailer at all, Corey?
0: Uh, I didn't. And I very depressingly downloaded the beta for it because they just had the beta for it. And, like, yesterday I, like, sat down and I was like, all right, I've never played Monster Hunter, but let me, like, see what this is all about. And by the time I turned it on, the beta period was already over, so I, like, missed out on it completely.
1: Oh, no. Yeah, I figured you might run out of time. That's Okay. Uh, I'm not going to talk a lot about it now. People know I like Monster Hunter. I think Monster Hunter World looks amazing. I did dip into the beta a little bit, but I was really fucking busy, uh, at work when the beta popped out. I had basically no time to play it. I think I did like three brief quests total, probably like a half an hour total. And that's all the time I had to put on it, uh, cause I was just that busy, but it looks great. I mean, from that little brief period of time, a quality of life improvements, Uh, the graphics are amazing. The systems are like really revamped, um, looks really, uh, more approachable. Um, I mean, of course, a lot's going to depend on if they set up some good tutorials. That's always been the series's, um, Achilles heels. They don't know how to do good tutorials and the game is really deep and rich. So it becomes really overwhelming and difficult for people to approach if they don't want to spend time on a wiki, which I, I personally don't like to do. So hopefully they learned that lesson and it's a shame you missed that beta. Um, but we will talk about that one more in the future, I am sure. Otherwise, gosh, you know, did, did you watch the recent Death Stranding uh, trailer? The one that appeared at the uh, the game, game Awards? I did. Oh, you did? Good. I did. Good. A- excellent. Yay. So the, the long one, right? The super, the 10-minute one? Yeah, I did. Oh my fucking god, dude! Okay, so I just talked for a million years. <laughs> Tell me. So we watched the
0: trailer. What the? What the fuck? What? 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 Tell me, Corey. What? Okay, here's my thing. Here's my thing. I am so tired of the way that Hideo Kojima is marketing his games. All I want to know is how the fucking game plays. I don't want to watch a 10-minute cutscene that is, you know, a one-shot take because that's, like, been his thing since Ground Zeroes of a bunch of stuff going on that you know is not going to be playable in the game that might not even be in the game that doesn't tell you anything about the game. I am so tired of it like i understand that hideo kojima is a great game developer i understand that he has ideas about the world that are um that are good like that are um i guess like uh um, like, cl- like clever, and like, he can, like, you know, the stuff that there's been some stuff going around on Twitter lately about like, some of the dialogue in Metal Gear Solid 2, and how that game came out like a really long time ago, and how it's like, basically a lot of the stuff that he wrote in that game is like happening in the world right now. Like, I get it. he He's prolific. Um, his ideas are pro- prolific. His writing is not. Um, but he has good ideas. His games are u- usually, you know, well done. But I'm so tired of just like, the way he markets games and sort of like his aura and it's like you know i'm tired of getting a 10 minute trailer once a year you know and the and the 10 years it's going to take for this game to come out like i want to know how the game plays i want to know a release date and that's it i don't need to know anything else i don't need 100 pictures on twitter of you hanging out with your favorite actors who you got to be in your game like i don't give a fuck about any of that I just want to know what the game is about and I want to know how it plays and that's it that's all I need and that is the thing that like you you're not you're not getting from him like I'm just tired of everybody like you know bowing down to kiss Hideo Kojima's feet when all he's putting out are these like 10 minute long one take trailers that tell you absolutely nothing about the game and that are some like metaphysical puzzle about all of this stuff and i'm just i'm over it i'm sure the game's going to be interesting i'm definitely going to play the game hopefully the game is actually good hopefully the game comes out before we all die and (laughs) i just but i'm just tired of the way that he's marketing the games because everything he does he has every video game fan and every video game journalist wrapped around his finger he's like the kim kardashian of video games like everything he does everybody is just there to see it and praise him and love him and report on it and talk about how great he is and what he's doing and i'm just like can we just see what the fucking game is that's all i want like that's all i want and he is not he's not there for it
1: yeah, as I was sitting watching the trailer, and for those who don't know, I mean, he just put out like a like literally like a ten minute long cinematic trailer, um, which showed. I mean, do you want to describe really quickly what it showed? Just recap it real fast. Oh
0: my god,
1: um, I know that's I know that's a hard challenge. I mean, it's difficult to sum it up. Oh but.
0: boy. Okay, it is. I can't even remember his name. The guy from The Walking Dead. What's his Nor- name? Norman Reedus. Norman Reedus. It's Norman Reedus and some kind of like spacesuit thing um in like a muddy desert thing and there's another guy and there's like an injured guy with them and they have these weird shoulder machine things that look kind of like lights with like flower petals almost that like spin around and blink that are sort of like giving you an idea like i guess if there's like a dangerous entity in the area those things seem to like be alerted to it and at one point, the other guy, like, there's, like, handprints that start appearing in the environment that, I guess, like, signals some sort of, like, there's an entity around. And Norman Rita says something like, oh, don't even breathe or something. And so, yeah, like, they both, I guess, stand there and hold their breath. But this, like, flashlight thing on the shoulder is, like, spinning around like crazy and flashing, which doesn't make any sense because if the thing walking around can hear them breathe, it sure as fuck is going to be able to hear this like flashlight thing spinning around and opening and closing. And then like the thing like drags the injured guy away. And like the other guy like shoots the guy to like kill him, I guess. And then all of a sudden Norman Reedus is like underwater. And then like the camera pans down Norman Reedus's throat and he's like pregnant because you, that's how pregnancy (laughs) works. They come out of your stomach and it's just fucking wait, ridiculous. Wait, wait, you didn't say the best
1: part. You didn't say the best part.
0: What, did the, op- the baby, like, th- gives the camera the thumbs up? Is he that the, the best part? Yes, the baby
1: down Norman Reedus's esophagus gives the camera a thumbs up before it slides back into his stomach. That was, <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, what so, I mean, fuck?
0: there's speculation that the game is going to be about some, like, future, kind of like a, um, oh my God, I can't remember anything anymore, uh, like a Children of Men future, where it's, like, there's a bunch of dudes and it's like a post-apocalyptic world where there's like no women and they have to like incubate these babies. Cause a big theme in all the trailers is that they have these like, uh, like incubators that they carry on themselves that have like babies in them. And, um, and there's like, you know, speculation that the game is going to be about like a post-apocalyptic future where there's no women and the men have to like incubate these babies so that they can keep the human race going or something. And I just like, I I don't want to play this guessing game, and I don't want all of this, and I don't want game uh, uh, trade shows and awards shows to keep giving Hideo Kojima, like, panels and panels and panels and panels and giving him this platform to talk about the game and letting him write essays and letting him write all this stuff about the game. I just want the game, like... I don't want to read a novel about the game and watch 10 panels about the game when we don't even know when the game is coming out. Like, just tell us when you think it's going to come out. Tell us what platform you think it's going to be on. Because there's even speculation that this game is not going to be out on PS4, that it's going to be coming out on the PS5 or the PS4 Pro Pro or Pro Plus or whatever the fuck's coming next. <laughs> like, there's speculation that it's not going to even be coming out on the PlayStation 4. So, like... I just want to know, like, I'm tired of this hype machine that he builds. I just want to know what the game's about. I want to know the release date, and that's it.
1: Yeah, I hear you. Um, I think Kojima is happy to be out from under the thumb of Konami. I mean, I think it's pretty clear that that eventually became a sour relationship. I mean, I'm I'm assuming it started out in a positive way, but it became quite clear that he was not happy there and they were keeping him on because he was the cash cow. Um, So that's not a good situation for anybody. Uh, Personally, I would have liked to have seen Kojima leave um, before he turned Metal Gear so fucking weird and crazy. (laughs) Um, It just it just seemed really obvious to me that he was not happy and he was very vocally um, and through his game making that known. So I, I understand him wanting to Get out! I mean, everybody—he's really well known. Possibly, you know, uh, the most well-known auteur in gamedom. I mean, maybe he's neck and neck with uh, Miyamoto, or maybe Miyamoto is just ahead of him. But though, you know, those guys are like at the top. Like, if you were to ask random people uh, who are some game designers, I mean, he would be one of the first ones named for sure. So he's out there hanging with Hollywood stars, uh, presumably they're fans of his, and that's why they're so eager to work with him, et cetera, et cetera. So that's got to be cool, and I, you know, I don't want to begrudge him that. Um, but at the same time, yeah, I am kind of tired of his shenanigans. I was really unhappy with his last couple of entries, uh, in the Metal Gear canon. And I think he's just gotten really fucking wacky. And I think he's a really brilliant guy, but he needs a good editor to kind of keep him under control. And I'm just wondering where this is all going and he's building the hype up so much. And it's going to be to the point where nothing he delivers is going to be worthy of the hype that he has been building. And I, you know, I feel like he's just setting himself up. I mean, maybe it'll be great. Who knows? But the stuff he's showing is just like insane. And as I'm sitting on the couch watching this trailer, I'm just like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. What? Oh, my God. And my wife is just like rolling her eyes like so hard. She's like, she has no time for Kojima's bullshit like at all. She is like, oh, fuck this. This is ridiculous. So <laughs> I, I just don't even know. I just don't even know. Um, I mean, he, he's got people talking, which is great. But I mean, like I said, the downside of that is you got to deliver at some point. And I'm afraid that he's not going to be able to deliver. Um, So we shall see. Um, Ironically, ironically, um, a trailer that was, I don't think was shown at either show. I could be mistaken, but there was recently a trailer released for Metal Gear Survive, which is the next quote unquote Metal Gear game uh, not being produced with Hideo Kojima. Um, Konami kept the rights to Metal Gear. They have gotten some new people on board.
0: They are going ahead with a brand new entry. Do you know about Metal Gear Survive, Corey? Uh, the last I heard, it was supposed to be some kind of like co-op multiplayer game with like zombies and shit kind of set in the Metal Gear Solid Five universe. Is that still correct?
1: Uh, I guess mostly. I mean, there's still a lot of question marks, but basically what we've seen so far is that stuff in Metal Gear 5, something happens, a dimensional rift opens up in the sky and it sucks in a lot of the stuff from Metal Gear Solid 5. So it, it sucks up the soldiers, some of the gear, uh, whatever random pieces of technology are around. It sucks it through this portal and it drops them off in like this like alternate universe where there are a bunch of like these weird zombies, but not quite zombies. They just kind of look like weird humans with crystals for heads or something. Um, so... I was watching, they just released a brand new trailer. It's like five minutes of gameplay. There's going to be apparently a single player campaign, which you can play. So it's not entirely multiplayer, but also multiplayer will be a part of it. But it seems like you can play it just by yourself if you want to. And it showed quite a bit. I mean, it showed quite a bit. It showed like the base building. It showed the crafting. It showed some of the different um, gameplay mechanics, like uh, building barriers to protect yourself, setting up emplacements and guns to protect your base, uh, showed some of the different, um, gear and stuff. At one point, he, the, the character in the game has a mech suit that he's riding and the mech suit's like kicking zombies and shooting them and all this other stuff. I mean, I gotta be, I gotta be real honest with you, man. Um, I started out being a big Kojima fan, but I really felt like when he started hitting his turmoil with Konami, his output really suffered for it. And I know a lot of diehard Kojima fans will defend him to the death and say that every single thing he does is genius. I just don't agree with that. I think that, um, his last couple of games were actually pretty poor. And I think that he was just, he was actively trying to like make it bad. Like he was kind of pulling a George Lucas, I think where he was trying to (laughs) torpedo his own legacy because of whatever personal angst he was going through. And I think his last couple of games um, were just not good. So, um, I think that he still had a lot of good ideas. So mechanically, like mechanically he was really on point. And, um, although I did not, spend much time with Metal Gear Solid 5. I liked a lot of the concepts in it. And I got to say, I'm really kind of excited to see someone take that framework, take that same structure of, like, um, really intricate combat, complex scenarios, lots of, um, you know, depth to the options that a player has, and do something that doesn't involve his fucking batshit crazy ass stories, <laughs> which don't make any fucking sense. Um you know, it's, I'm, I'm assuming that the people who are working on the game are fans of his, or at least are really familiar with what he was doing. Uh, and they just... I, I hope they're going to just get rid of the fucking crazy story. And just put in a standard story that's fine. And really focus on the gameplay. Make the gameplay shine. And the gameplay that they showed was really interesting. So I know that a lot of, like, Kojima diehards were like, oh, fuck this game. Fuck Survive. He's not, if he's not involved, I'm out. I'm not going to do that. I don't care about this. And fuck Konami. Which, from one perspective, I can get... But from the other perspective, I don't think he wanted to be involved with it. I don't think he wanted to be tied to it for as long as he did. I think he wanted to jump ship a long time ago. But that's no reason to throw all of this stuff away. Like, there's a lot of really good stuff in the series. And if you put this in the hands of people who actually still love it and don't want to escape from it, I think you could have a really good product. I, I mean, this may be kind of an unpopular opinion, but I think Metal Gear Survive looks pretty fucking cool. And I'm actually pretty excited for it. I think it might turn out to be pretty damn good. Well, what do you think, man? What's your take?
0: Uh, I haven't seen anything about it in a long time. Um, Like, I literally think I've only seen the very first trailer that was put out, like, a while ago. Um, But, I mean, I will definitely play it. I mean, especially now that you have told me that it has a a single-player campaign. Like, I'm not usually one to play multiplayer games, but if it has a single-player component, I'll definitely play it. I mean, the mechanics of Metal Gear Solid Five are pretty good. I mean, the, the, uh, you know, act of just running around and you know, equipping weapons and fighting soldiers and shooting and sneaking and all that kind of stuff was was very well done. But I just didn't like how repetitive the missions were and how silly the story was and how, like, stripped of narrative the game was. So, I mean, I'm definitely, um, you know, in favor of a new kind of Metal Gear experience. Uh, and I mean, if it's, but but the stakes are not high for me. Like, I'll play it, and if it's bad, I'll just be like, okay, it's bad, and I'll, you know, probably get it from Gamefly, put it back in the mail, and send it away. It's not like if it's bad, I'm going to be like crushed and depressed, and you know, going to be like bitching about it throughout the whole year. And you know, my worst game of the year list, I'll just put it in the mail, send it back, and that'll be it. But if it's good, then that'll just be a nice, pleasant surprise.
1: Yeah, I know uh, I may be taking a risk here, but I'm betting that it's going to be actually pretty good. Um, what I've seen so far, and from descriptions of the gameplay, and knowing that. Um, They don't have a director who's trying to torpedo his own project. Uh, I think that this may actually end up being pretty good. I am not looking for Kojima crazy story. I've never really been a big fan of that aspect of it. Um, I mean, I liked his earlier work, but I think he really went off the rails uh, in later years. But I'm looking for something really solid, something really playable with a lot of depth to it. And uh, I think that this is what that's going to be. So fingers crossed for that, man. Um, we're almost to the end of the trailers. There's only one more that I wanted to call out. Uh, did you by any chance watch the trailer for In the Valley of the Gods? I did not. Oh, okay. Um, I'm going to call this out real quick. This is put out by Campo Santo, the guys who did Firewatch. Did you play Firewatch?
0: Oh, is this the one where they're exploring in Egypt and shit? Yeah, so you did oh, see Okay, it. yeah, I did. I, fr- I didn't realize that was the name of it. I'm sorry.
1: Doesn't that okay? So this looks really good. This is from Campo They did uh, Firewatch, which was a real uh, cool game that came out last well, a couple of years. Whatever, whenever it came out. Um, <laughs> basically, I mean, from what we gather, it's a couple of. I mean, I I think it was a pair of African American archaeologists. Is that what it appeared to you?
0: Uh, one for sure. I don't know if they showed the person behind the camera.
1: I I'm not sure either. But I thought that it looked like um two. I mean, it could be. But regardless, one of the characters, African-American female archaeologist, along with a partner who I thought was another one, but I could be mistaken. And they're kind of going around exploring, um, you know, the Valley of the Kings in Egypt with some tombs, Egyptian stuff, desert. It looks like they're going to be doing some, I don't know, uh, Egyptian puzzle solving. Um, they didn't really show a lot, but just like the style looked really good, like a really like vibrant visual style, really colorful, slightly cartoony, um, similar to what they had in Firewatch and I'm down for this content like it just looked really cool and interesting I like the setting and Campo Santo although I did have some problems with Firewatch overall I thought it was mostly excellent and those are a good bunch of people I am excited about this one what about you man
0: yeah I'm definitely excited um I feel the same way about Firewatch I enjoyed it but I did have uh some problems with it but I overall like same I thought it was really excellent and um I mean, I am looking forward to this game. The only thing that I did not like about the trailer is that I only watched about half the trailer and then I turned it off. Because, I mean, Campo Santo and this game and Firewatch, among other games, I mean, kind of fall into like the walking simulator category where for most of the game, you are just walking around, exploring, you know, talking, um, experiencing sort of like the rich narrative that the game has and the visuals and I can't remember how long the trailer was for this game, but it was too long. I mean, because there's not a lot else going on. Um, like I want to experience that myself. I don't want to watch a trailer of a bunch of, of like, basically just like a game. I mean, it said, this sounds like I'm going back on what I said earlier about um, like Hideo Kojima stuff. Cause like, I want to know what the game is about in his trailer, but like Cambo Santa, like, you know what you're getting. Like, it's going to be like, I mean, it definitely appears to be a first person game. It's a walking simulator, maybe a little bit of puzzle solving, you know, that kind of thing. If I know that's what it is, I don't want to watch the trailer of what I'm going to be experiencing in the game, because I don't want to like, ruin that kind of thing. Because unlike a game that has several different facets that maybe has like, uh, platforming and shooting and sneaking and puzzle solving and exploration and speaking. I mean, uh, this game seems to be very much just like walking around and looking at things. And I want to do that. I don't want to watch the trailer of somebody else doing that, if that makes sense. So uh, I watched about half the trailer and I was like, OK, I know exactly what this game's going to be and I don't want to watch the rest of it. And I turned it off because I'd rather just experience that myself.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, in a game like Death Stranding, where you don't even know what the game is, I think it's really crucial to show something so that we get kind of a vague idea of what to expect um, past the usual Kojima-isms. But in a game like this, where it's pretty obvious, like you said, it's going to be walking sim, adventury, all I needed to see was a setting. Like, you know, cute character, cool setting. I know what Campo Santo does. Like, that's, I mean, I'm with you. That's all I need to know. I don't want anything to be spoiled because, of course, in a game like this, like the discovery and the journey is, is what it's all about, so... Um, news brief news flash breaking news Corey breaking news oh boy Um, I actually have to go to work so we should probably wrap oh, up the shit. show <laughs> like right now um, I had a whole bunch of other stuff to talk about and we knew we were taking a gamble recording tonight but thankfully we got through most of the show there was only a little bit left and we can skip that and save it for next time Um, so I gotta go why don't you jump us to the end of the show and wrap up and we will uh, pick it up again next week
0: All right, yes. All right, let's make this quick. Um, End of the show. Uh, Video game talk's over. Show talk's over. Remember, uh, banter's at the end, after the music. If you want to hear me talk about Atlanta Trip, if you want to hear Brad talk about a little bit about his car breaking down, which is kind of depressing. But um, uh, if you want to contact us, give us feedback, ideas, uh, show ideas, talk about certain games, whatever, podcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can also comment on Game Critic's site whenever we post the show up there. We're on Twitter, at So Video Games. My Twitter handle is my first and last name, Corey Motley, C O R E Y M O T L E Y. Brad, what is yours? B R A D G A L L A W A Y, all A's, no O's. <laughs> All right, and that is going to make a quick wrap on the show because Brad has to get his ass in gear and go to work. But we'll be back next week. I swear I will actually play some games for next week's show. I have, like, five on deck to play right now. I'll get into them. We'll talk about them. But until then, until next week for Episode 62, this is going to be bye from
1: Corey. And bye from Brad. And sorry I got to go, but we will definitely see you next time. (laughs) Bye, Bye, guys. (laughs)
0: I'm, like, criminally underprepared for the show, and it's kind of a disaster. See, this is why we are perfect podcast partners, because I am also criminally
1: underprepared (laughs) for the show. (laughs) I was looking at my notes, and I was like, oh, you know what? I'm just going to tell Corey we're uh, going to just freewheel it this week. We're going to just roll and see what happens. Because, I mean, I got notes jotted down and stuff, but I've got so much stuff backed up and stacked up and stuff I've been hanging on to and stuff I was saving, and I'm like, oh, my God, let's... Maybe I'll just read this list off one by one, and it doesn't matter if they're in order or if it makes no sense. We'll just get through it. And it seems like you're kind of in a similar spot, huh?
0: Yeah. I mean, I've just been, like, so busy because, uh, like, I went out of town for the weekend. So, like, Friday I left to go to Atlanta, and I didn't get back until really late on Sunday night. And then I took so many pictures when I was in Atlanta that I've basically been in, like, full-on like photo sorting and editing mode like almost all day yesterday I just sat at the computer I was sorting photos and I started editing them and like the day before I was sorting photos and I get in this this space where like I uh, like like I know if I don't start working on it immediately whenever I get back, I'm gonna start letting things slide and letting things slide, and then I'm never you know gonna come back and sort them all and edit them the way that I want to. So I need to just get on top of it. And it's a really weird um, thought to have when i I keep thinking to myself, like, man, I'm like halfway through Black Mirror. I need to play that for review. I have another game on tap to review. I have another game on tap to review. And I really need to, like, set aside some time to play those games. And then I don't, and I keep editing photos, and it's just, like, I don't know, it's weird to think about, like, needing to have time to play games. And I'm sure this happens to you, but I just, like, I've, I've been balancing, like, two, um, you know, like, editing photos and playing games and trying to balance them. And it's two, like, leisure activities, but whenever you do them both as, like, kind of sort of a business, it just becomes this, like, whole other thing, and I, I just haven't quite balanced them for the past few days
1: yeah i hear you dude that's like uh my daily life i mean um i don't have a lot of other fun things to do besides games at the moment but games is also not just fun but it's like responsibility too for doing all the game critic stuff so it's like i mean for me it's more like oh i want to play this game that i think is just fun and i'm not writing about it and i don't want to do anything with it i just want to play it As opposed to, oh, I need to play this X Y Z game for game critics, or oh, I need to do this post on this thing, or oh, I told PR I would do this thing, and so I end up like, yeah, I mean, I kind of end up playing like a pleasure game more often than a than a business game, if there is such a thing. (laughs) So yeah, I hear you. And then on top of that is like work and you know kids and you know my son wants to come watch a TV show. He's like, Dad, come sit with me, and it's like I can't say no to that, man. It's like I you know i remember all the times when i was growing up and i would ask my dad to come hang out with me and he flat out every time said no like he would never hang out with me and so like i never want to be the dad that says no so like whenever he offers i'm like yeah i'm going to go do that thing because who knows if i'll ever get another chance you might as well take advantage of it so like that comes up a lot wife wants to snuggle or something got to do that and you know i mean that's good of course and uh <laughs> yeah
0: i mean it's just like it's yeah it's constantly juggling for time yeah it is um it's definitely strange and i'm like fresh off a like tonight i i know you know this but people listen to this show don't. i i literally just got home about f- 30 minutes ago 45 minutes ago from a night out in new orleans which is totally unexpected so i have like the parkour group here that i photograph um They call themselves the NOLA ninjas, you know, NOLA standing for New Orleans. There's a guy who grew up here named Matt who went to college in Arizona. And I have like talked to him a little bit on like Instagram and Facebook and stuff. And like we know each other a little bit, but he came back for Christmas break yesterday. And I've been waiting to meet him because he seems like such a cool guy. And uh, today he messages me and he's like, Hey, uh, we're going to go out to do some parkour tonight. Like, you know, here's the time and place. Like, do you want to meet us? And of course I did. So I went out at like two to go meet these guys for parkour. And it was like me and Matt and uh, a couple other guys from the parkour group, one of the guy's girlfriends. And then Matt brought a friend uh, from North of the Lake that he knows who I had never met before, but he ended up being totally cool. And it was just like super great. To meet Matt, and the the great thing about him is he was, like, everything I hoped he would be. Like, his, his online presence that I had, uh, you know, seen his pictures and his captions and his Facebook posts and all this stuff, like, had led me to believe he was this person, and that is exactly who he was, and he was, like, exactly the person I was prepared to meet, and he's just so great and so laid back. But the best thing about him, not the best thing about him, the thing that I appreciate the most about him is that um, he had made a joke whenever we were messaging earlier today about how he wanted to do some day drinking in New Orleans, which is so refreshing for me because I don't think anybody else in the Nolan Ninjas just really like drinks very much. Like most of the guys, um, I mean, I guess maybe they do, but they live so far away that I don't really like hang out with them like that. Usually when we hang out, it's like parkour, photography, business, and it's not really like a, like a leisure activity. So like today, after we finished doing parkour... We, like, went out to the French Quarter at, like, 5.30, and we went to a bar and got some drinks, then we went to another bar, and then we got food, and then we went to, like, a couple of gay bars and got some more drinks, and um, I'm, like, pretty sober at this point. Like, I'm definitely probably, like, 90% sober right now, Um, but it was just kind of, like, an unexpected like night, like, you know, night out on a Wednesday night as you do whenever you're not uh, 21 anymore. And, but it was really fun and I had a really good time. And uh, um, so, yeah, I'm like fresh off of a night out and like really frazzled and like trying to get my shit together. And the funny thing for me is like when, you know, when people drink and they get tipsy and they get drunk, like You know, some people, like, you know, they start thinking about their exes and they whine and cry, and some people, like, get really handsy and get really sexy, and some people start telling you the same boring story over and over and over again, and they always think it's the first time they've ever told anybody that story, but apparently... Whenever I start getting tipsy, I start talking about intersectional feminism because that's what I did like all night at the bar tonight. Like we went to a gay bar and they were playing music videos on the wall and or on like the TVs, which is a common thing in gay bars. And like Matt and I were talking about like feminism and like every time a... Um, like a music video would come up, like a Taylor Swift video came up and I started telling him about like my views on like Taylor Swift and feminism and how I don't really like always support what she does. And then like a Katy Perry song came up and we started talking about like Katy Perry in relation to like feminism, intersectional feminism. So it's just so silly. Like, I guess the inner like social justice warrior in me comes out whenever I start drinking and it's just like, I don't a very silly thing, I think that is not surprising to me
1: like at all <laughs> to hear you say that
0: i am not surprised but i just real briefly i mean you don't have to get
1: too into it but like what what do you, what is your definition of intersectional feminism because i you know i'm totally in support of feminism and i believe that women are equal and all that good stuff um, but you know some of these terms i guess i'm not really like if you wanted to pin me down about what the definition was or how i would
0: describe it maybe i'm not so good at that what 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 would your How would
1: you describe intersectional
0: feminism? Well, I would describe intersectional feminism as uh, women, well, and men, as a matter of fact, supporting women and equality for women, no matter what kind of woman they are, even if it's a black woman, a white woman, an Asian woman, a Native American woman, a transgender woman, or any kind of woman at all, any age, any color, any background, any race, um, any sexual orientation. Uh, basically treating them all as um, as equals because they're um, I feel weird talking about this as a gay man because I feel like um, like maybe a-, a woman should be talking about this as her platform, but because we don't have any women on the podcast. Uh, I guess I'm the next best thing, but uh, (laughs) I I guess, but um, like my, my definition of intersectional feminism is basically just uh, women supporting women and men supporting women, equality among um, men and women, no matter what the woman's background is, because there is a, I mean, there's definitely a plague of like white feminism that happens in the United States where like you know, kind of like white women will stick together and kind of like put on a song and dance about being feminist, but they won't necessarily show up for like Black Lives Matter rallies or they won't show up for like, you know, like Native American, uh, you know, like that kind of stuff or really like acknowledge other other races or other cultures or even like transgender. Like there there's a big thing about like, uh, you know, like some feminists not even recognizing uh, transgender uh, people uh transgender women as you know it's kind of like fighting as an ally in the feminism race, so uh, I mean feminism is all about equality it's not about um you know women like um you know like wanting me- all men to like die or wanting you know to be like stronger than men um you know it's about recognizing that they're that you know that there's a among men and women that women can make whatever choices they want and that they have a full agency over their body and their decisions and you know getting paid the same as men and having the same opportunities as men and and stuff like that and so intersectional just brings a larger umbrella over um, basically every kind of woman. And so that's the kind of stuff that I was talking about at the bar tonight. And, and by the way, if anybody is listening to the show, I have no idea how many women we have listened to the show, probably like one. Um, but uh, <laughs> if there's anything I'm saying about feminism that I am getting wrong or that maybe it should be clarified, um, I am... open to feedback on any feminism stuff that I talk about because as a gay man I obviously have not lived a woman's life I don't fully understand what it's like to be a woman I have not lived a life in a woman's shoes or I have not you know taken a bunch of women's and gender studies classes over that kind of stuff so if there's anything I ever get wrong that anybody wants uh, to give me input on or to correct I am all ears on the feminism issue but those are just some of the things that that I think about um you know as uh, a feminist man
1: Cool. Cool. I uh, am in support of that. It's funny you mentioned that because totally unrelated to this, I was doing a little bit of reading um, and looking up some terms. It's it's so funny how like, you know, we don't talk to each other all week and then like we get together and then like our paths have like our podcast <laughs> paths have like strangely converged. I was actually literally just reading about some of this um, right before the show. So that was interesting. And also uh, kind of like uh, tagging along with what you said. I mean, I think that it's pretty clear that we're both pretty liberal, pretty forward-thinking guys, or at least we really try to be. So um, you know, in case we ever get anything wrong or misspeak ourselves or something, I hope that our audience would give us uh, the grace and forgiveness if we let our mouths run away with ourselves, because I think our hearts are definitely the right place. We definitely support all the stuff that we talk about, and um, we try to be as correct as possible. But uh, in the off chance that we goof something up or or something like that, we don't mean it, and we we definitely want to be on the right side of things. So... Anyway, what else, dude? Uh, what, else, uh, what else has been going on with you down in, in Nola?
0: Well, besides um, the ninjas. I guess, uh, I don't know, maybe I should talk about the Atlanta trip a little bit. Is that something I should talk about? You should talk about it. Uh, good, because I want to talk about it. So, <laughs> well, that worked out. I know, I imagine that. So I went to um, Atlanta in a very short time span over maybe like a week or a week and a half. um, One of my friends in the parkour group here had told me about a, um, there's this thing called the WFPF and I think it stands for the World Something Parkour Federation. Uh, And it's kind of like, sort of like a governing body of like parkour as a sport and as a practice and that kind of thing and they hold uh different competitions throughout the year and they had a qualifier in Atlanta uh which is they have different categories they have a speed qualifier they have a style qualifier they have a best trick qualifier I might be getting uh, uh, some of these wrong or the uh, you know the semantics of them but basically um different gyms over the United States have qualifiers, and then eventually there's like a, like a finals sort of thing, and the finals happen in Tampa, Florida. That's in about a month exactly. I think it's at the very end of January. And so we went to Atlanta. There were two things going on in Atlanta last weekend. The WFPF qualifier was happening there at one gym, and there was another gym uh, called Dis Jam, D I S, sort of like this, T H I S, but Dis Jam, um, because there's another jam called Dat Jam. So you have Dat Jam oh, and Dis no. Jam. Oh um, no,
1: that's not okay. Yes, yeah, so
0: okay. <laughs> they had Dis Jam in Atlanta, which was completely separate from the Ninja uh the NOLA or the Ninja uh quest qualifier thing. Um I don't know if they had them on the same weekend because they thought people would be in town or whatever, but they were totally separate things, but a few there was some crossover in the people that went to them. And we went to so we decided to go to Atlanta. Um I told everybody that I would drive because I'm such a nice guy, and uh I picked up there were four people in my car: uh, me, Peyton, Ian, and Brandon. And then there were a few people that left from a different.
1: Wait, wait, wait! Every single one of those guys' names ends in an N.
0: Uh, yeah, except for mine. Um, what's up with that? That's weird. Is that a thing? Uh, if you live in New Orleans, your name has to end in an N. Those are the rules here. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind
1: of what I was it's like admitting it's in the parker group you got to change your name to n it an n that's that's kind of bizarre dude uh
0: i mean now that i think about it it's even weirder because we have a john in the group and his name ends an n um but we have a levi and his name does not end in N. so i guess levi and i are but like it, the
1: there island. is an n and it's silent it's a silent n
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh my god um But we went to—so we drove uh, to Atlanta, and, like, the ridiculous thing about the Atlanta trip um, was—okay, first of all, as far as I know, I mean, New Orleans is in the south. It's very warm here all year round. It doesn't get that cold. I mean, cold for us here is, like, 40 or 50 degrees, and— of course, the weekend we leave, it fucking snowed. So it has not snowed in New Orleans for like nine years. Naturally, nine months after I move here, it snows on the weekend that we're supposed to go to Atlanta. Luckily, it did not. I mean, it snowed a lot and it was like sticking, you know, on the in the grass and on roofs and on houses and stuff, but it wasn't like super duper slick roads. But it snowed in Atlanta also, and allegedly i don 't it was my first time in Atlanta, and i didn 't really know anything about Atlanta, but apparently it doesn 't snow there very much either, maybe like once every few years, so it was like a big thing for them that it snowed there too, and it snowed a lot. so we left here, drove in the snow it 's about eight hours or so, drove a little bit in the snow a lot in the rain, and then there was about two or three hours where the roads were perfectly fine, no condensation or no uh precipitation, none of that. And then as soon as we get to the outskirts of Atlanta, there's fucking snow everywhere. And luckily, the roads weren't so bad that we... I mean, I never was in danger of having an accident at all or anything like that. But it was still, like... I mean, we're supposed to be having parkour jams outdoors in, like, city parks and stuff. And it's fucking snowy. So we get there, and we stay at this house. This amazing house that a bunch of, like, working stunt people are living at. And... They had like a bunch of rooms and a bunch of extra rooms. So we get there and they have like their own in the basement. They have a room that has like fake swords and like mats and like crash mats and a little trampoline. And it was like the best place to stay. And we got to stay there, you know, for no money or anything. So we all crashed there and it was totally amazing. And we went to uh, the Ninja Qualifier on Saturday. We went to part of the dis jam on Saturday night and then we all came back to the house and kind of got drunk on Saturday night. Most of us, most of us, which was also awesome. And I took a bunch of pictures all weekend. I took like probably like seventeen. Uh, what was my final count? I wrote it down. It was like seventeen hundred and seventy pictures or something like that. Um, and it was uh, it was really fun. Um, it was very busy. Uh, I drove us everywhere, and it was very stressful to be driving around all the time. And of course, everything that happened in the city was in like a different corner of the city. Like the house we stayed at was in like it was like northeast of Atlanta. The first jam was northwest of Atlanta. The second jam was uh, southwest of Atlanta. The the Sunday jam was right in the middle of Atlanta. So we had to be in like a different place all the time, and it was just a lot, a lot of driving. Uh, but the cool thing is, for the Ninja Quest WFPF qualifier. One of the guys that went with us, Ian, took first place in the qualifier, the speed qualifier. So he gets to move on to the Tampa finals at the end of January, and they pay for his whole like ticket and his like entry fee and everything. So all he has to do is get himself there and he is good to compete. And in the Disc Jam qualifier, which has nothing to do with WFPF and has no like no no uh finals or anything um, Ian took first also in the skill competition at Disc Jam and Levi who's another uh, Nolan and Jet took second place in the skill competition there so it felt kind of cool to like be the guys who drove in from Atlanta and then like our athletes showed everybody up while we, we were there like all the Atlanta athletes so that was kind of neat um, dang yeah but dang show those
1: guys what's up yeah
0: we did and it was uh it was really good like i'm really proud of them i'm especially proud of levi because he is so like he's just like not um he's just really humble i guess is the word like levi is my favorite in the group and he's like so nice and he's so down to earth and he's so humble and he's like the kind of person that i'm I'm just attracted to the thought of just, like, having conversations with him, just, like, sitting down, talking, and, and you know, just, like, being able to have, like, a conversation with somebody who's really on my level about things, and he's just such a nice guy, and I just love him to death, so I was really proud of him for uh, taking second place in the skill comp, but, uh, but it was a good weekend, I mean, it was a lot, very busy, a lot of stuff to do, um, the guys were pretty irritating all weekend, you know, just being, was, being bros. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I was going to ask how that the drive went. I mean, I know we kind of talked about maybe having potential drama in the car, like, <laughs> when you're
0: driving around. I mean, did that ever come to fruition, or how'd that go? Uh, it was not... It didn't get, like, nothing ever, like, blew up or anything, but uh, I don't know. There's just, like, a guy in the group who... He's not even really, like, a member of, like, the Nolan Ninjas, quote-unquote, but he just kind of, like, hangs out with one of the other guys, and they're really good friends, so sometimes he just kind of, like, tags along for stuff. And, like, I can get along with him well enough, and he's, like, pretty likable, like, kind of, but he's just one of those people who, like, who, who, like, 95% of the stuff that comes out of his mouth is just, like, sarcasm and snark, and it's just, like, not... Like it's like he does. He's just like this, like sack of human that's filled with sarcasm, and it's not <laughs> like it's like not appealing. Like I don't know if it's like cool and edgy to be that, but it just like I would much rather him be like an honest and endearing person than be, like, somebody who always has to, like, make the joke or, like, be a jerk, you know, for fun or whatever. And it just gets really old really fast. But luckily, like, I'm pretty good at either handling people or just, like, shutting up around them and, like, letting them do their thing. And so, I mean, he was pretty annoying, but, I mean, it was a small price to pay for a successful weekend, I think.
1: Right on. Well, it sounds like a good time. Did you get any good grub while you're out and about? Anything, anything delicious and noteworthy worth mentioning?
0: Uh, that's kind of one of the sad things. Is like we were kind of like so pressed for time every time we were doing things that we basically just like got fast food everywhere we went. But we went to a place called Stockyard, and they it's like kind of like a burger and like ribs and like a, like beer and whiskey kind of place. And I think there's like three or four of them in the Atlanta area, and that's probably the most notable place we went um i had a they have like a you like open the menu and they have like ribs and you know like chicken strips and stuff like that but they have like a big burger menu and they probably have like 10 or 15 different kinds of burgers and they have like different kinds of like special like instead of just getting like plain ketchup you can get like like chipotle ketchup or some kind of like mayo something they have like five you know different kinds of dipping sauces so it's kind of neat and i got a um I can't remember what the name of it was but it was a veggie burger because I love I'm not vegetarian I've had uh I've had times when I've been vegetarian in my life but I whenever I go to a restaurant and it seems like a decent restaurant and they have a vegetarian re- uh burger on the menu I always order it because I think that um veggie burgers I might have said this on the show before but veggie burgers like everywhere you go they're always a little bit different and they're always like it's always interesting to try them and to kind of see like what what goes into them cuz sometimes it's like black beans or sometimes it's like beets or sometimes it's like other stuff um and so i really like being able to try different places veggie burgers because i mean if you get like a beef burger i mean yeah they can put like different seasonings on it or they can put different toppings on it but at the end of the day it's like just like still beef and i mean that's fine like i'm not against you know like a beef burger or something like that but i just feel like veggie burgers are way more interesting but i really liked stockyard um the burger I got, the veggie burger I got was really good. The fries are really good. The service was not great, but I feel like it's because they had like one guy running the whole, the whole, uh, like dining room. So he was kind of pressed, uh, and kind of, uh, juggling a lot. But, um, I don't know if anybody listens to the show from Atlanta or if anybody's going to Atlanta, but Stockyard was pretty good if you're into burgers and ribs and stuff like that.
1: I think I've actually heard of that place. I don't know much about, that area, because I've never been there. I haven't traveled through, but I do watch a lot of cooking shows and food shows. And that sounds really familiar. Are they, was it a pretty famous place?
0: I have no idea, to be honest with you.
1: Hmm, I That sounds really familiar to me. But yeah, I, you know, I'm kind of the same way. I mean, I am not a vegetarian, but I have no problem eating vegetarian meals or vegetarian food. Like, I don't need like meat in every meal. So if someone serves me something veggie, that's totally cool with me. As long as it's tasting, mean, that's really the thing. It's gonna be tasting good. I mean, <laughs> somebody hands me half a fucking head of lettuce, I might have a problem with that. But as long as it's like a proper dish, I mean, no big deal. But yeah, I do enjoy um, veggie burgers myself. And there's, it's like a real fucking uh, spectrum of veggie burgers. Like some are so good and really tasty and delicious. And some are just fucking gross. So I do think it's kind of an adventure. I would I would second your instinct to go for the veggie burger when you go out. I do that too sometimes. It's really fun.
0: Yeah, it's definitely like, uh, I'm just kind of over this whole like, like stigma of vegetarianism, like whenever people, I mean, it's always like the running joke about like, oh, like vegetarians or vegans. And it's always sort of like, there was like the punchline to the joke about like food and about stuff like that. And I mean, honestly, I get annoyed because there's, you know, there's like a, a stereotype of like, if you're, like, vegetarian, then, like, that's the only thing you ever talk about. And, of course, it's, like, annoying in any subject in the world if that's, like, you have, like, one thing and that's the only thing you talk about. But I'm just, like, over, like, vegetarianism and, like, veganism kind of being, like, the punchline to jokes. And I wish that people were more open to the idea of, like, trying veggie burgers or trying like other kind of like offshoots of um of you know popular dishes that are made vegetarian because they're actually really delicious most of the time but a lot of people are too stubborn and too stuck up to even give them a chance
1: well i would say sometimes i've had some pretty bad
0: vegetarian (laughs) food i've
1: had some i've had some horrible vegan food um i i don't mind vegetarianism at all i think it's totally fine and i'm down i mean there's been I've, I've gone really long stretches without having meat and it's, it's not a problem, but vegan stuff, I have a little bit more of an issue with just because it's really hard to get stuff that tastes good. If you're not used to like eating that way. I mean, people tell me I have vegan friends and they tell me like, once you eat that way, it's fine. But I look at what they eat and I'm like, you, you're eating shit. Like this looks gross (laughs) and I don't like what you're having and I don't care. Um, so, I mean, I'm not against it, but like, man, I don't know, like vegetarian, I can easily see that happening and it's real tasty. But vegan stuff, I'm like, Arr. it takes a really talented chef to cook some vegan stuff. And if, there, if there's anybody listening uh, to this and is screaming at at your radio or your your podcast device your computer right now, um, I mean, feel free to reach out and like let us know like a really good vegan recipe. I would love to like get a good one and make it, and then I will report back. Like I'm totally open to it. I'm not against it. But I, I've had way more success eating vegetarian than vegan. So I don't know. Anyway, that's uh, I guess neither here nor there. I <laughs>
0: whatevs i guess (laughs) anyway anything else from you man uh i think that's it uh going out of new orleans tonight atlanta trip um that has been filling my time lately but what is going on with you Dude, nothing. Not much. I've been... um <laughs> That is I, that is a lie, and I know it, Brad. I can't believe you'd say that on air.
1: Oh, man. I mean, I got stuff to talk about, like, for the video game portion of the show. I got a whole list of just rando topics which we can talk about. But, like, personal-wise, like, literally not much. I've been working a ton. Um, It looks like the contract... I mean, longtime listeners of the show or frequent listeners of the show will know that I have recently switched. I was working a really, really early morning schedule where I was getting up at, like... Uh, you know, three and four o'clock in the morning and then going to bed at like eight o'clock at night, which is really bizarre for me because I'm usually a night owl. Uh, I got a contract recently that would switch me back to doing nights. And so I had to like readjust my body again to go back to nights, which is kind of more difficult than you would think. Um, I don't know if it's age or just I just got really in the groove of doing the morning thing. But um, I've been doing that for like the last couple months. And then all of a sudden they're like, Oh yeah, Hey, this is done. We're not going to continue the contract. And I'm like, Oh fuck. I just totally like rearranged my entire life to do this. And now it's going to end like on January 1st. So we did some negotiations and I have to say that my wife, Gina was really instrumental in those negotiations. She is, um, you know, like you just look at her or she, she pretends to be like this humble homeschool mom, right? Like she's very, very subdued, very quiet, you know, unassuming, um, But underneath that calm exterior, she is a powerhouse. She got in and did some, because she she used to be in the same line of work as I I am before she became like a full-time homeschool mom. So she knows all about what I do and et cetera, et cetera. And uh, she came in to help me out with some negotiations. And she was just like amazing, like really well put together, in control, kind of like, you know, leading a meeting, talking about, you know, potential outcomes and, you know, how much money things were and, you know, how to source things. And, you know, I don't want to get too businessy, but she, uh, she kicks some ass and they extended the contract, um, for now and uh, potentially indefinitely. So, I mean, th- and that was really all because of her. Like if she hadn't stood up and kind of taken control of that meeting, it would have been over. And then, I mean, you know, not like that would be the end of, of life. I mean, I, you know, I, I've, I've been doing this job for like almost 22 years now. So it's not like, you know, I wouldn't have anything to do, but, you know, I was like, oh, I was really looking for this contract and it's exciting, something that I, I like to do. And it was pretty favorable terms for me. So it was really nice. Um But yeah, I owe her like all the credit, man. She really kicked ass. But I mean, but other than that, I mean, I mean, that's kind of really all that's been going on. I mean, I working a ton during the day, working a ton during the night, game critic stuff, nothing major. I mean, the only other thing notable is like, you know, like my car died. So I had to take it in and, you know, thousand dollars of car repair was a real wonderful Christmas present to get this December. Uh. But you know, yeah, I mean, it's, it sucks because what are you going to do? And it's like, our car is paid off. It's really old too. It's like 15 years old. Um, but it still runs. I mean, it still runs fine. It's given us very few problems. And this is like one of the first times that it's really, um, needed to go in for some work. I mean, we do all the maintenance and stuff, so we take care of it. And so I don't feel bad at all. I mean, we've had this car for like, like, you know, 15 fucking years and it's got like a shitload of miles on it. It still runs real well. And it's lovely to not have a car payment. I mean, I love having this thing paid off. That's great. Um, I mean, the, you know, and it's fine. We're going to fix it up. Hopefully it's not going to be too major. And if it starts, you know, if it starts breaking down more and more, I mean, I, there, there is an end point to a car. I mean, I don't know if you can run a car forever. I mean, maybe, maybe you can, if you keep replacing the parts. And I mean, I don't know what the theoretical life of a car is. If you're great at doing those things, um, But if the repairs start adding up, I mean, we'd be okay trading it in. But, like, the downside of a car breaking down and me not being a car guy is, like, you know, I mean, not like I'm casting aspersions on anybody who is, like, a mechanic or anything. But, I, you know, I can't help but feel like they take you for a ride every time you drop your car in because they just rattle off some parts. And it's like, well, this thing this guy just told me, this alternator thing and this spark thing and this, uh, you know, this frame and this other thing and this tapper and this, you know, he's, (laughs) like, naming parts I'm not even sure that are parts, you know? (laughs) And he's like, well, this thing's got to be changed. And oh my God, I can't believe you are driving around on this thing and this thing. And I'm like, really? Because my car was fine except for that squeaking noise. And so you're telling me like all these other things were broken? Like, I don't know if I believe you, but I don't know, you know? And it's like, I don't want to have to go to the trouble of taking it to like 15 different auto shops to get like comparing, um, you know, second, third, fourth opinions. It just, you know, the car doesn't run. So it's like, oh fuck, Whatever. So I feel like they're kind of taking me for a ride, but I, you know, we haven't put a lot of money into it, which is great because it's been running really well. And, um, you know, hopefully we'll get that back and we're kind of doing the single car thing for now where, Oh, where are you going? Where am I going? Oh, let's, let me get a ride. Oh no, let me get the bus. What's going on? You know, it's kind of a hassle, but I mean, other than that, dude, like not much, I mean, really not much has been going on. just been working, working, working. So, um, I, I mean, I don't really have much else to say. I'm going to save most of my juice for the game portion of the show because I do have quite a lot to say there. And we may have kind of a ramble. Um, I got a whole list of stuff. I don't know if we recorded this or not, but did I talk about this already? I mentioned this already, right? I had a whole list of random stuff. I said this, right? Uh, I don't think so. Oh, okay. Yeah, I got a whole list of random stuff that I want to just get off my plate because I keep a list of topics to talk about in the show for like for when I'm out and about and I'm like, oh, we should talk about this or oh, we should talk about that. So I, like, I keep a list. I mean, this is getting too full now. I need to, I need to just get some (laughs) of this stuff off the
0: list. So we're going to do some rando stuff when we get to the game section. So I'm going to, I'm going to save all my uh, mojo for that. Excellent. Well, before we move on from topics, I just want to say, I know I don't have to say this and I know you already know this, but I, I just love your wife so much. She's like, she's like, so like tender and understanding, but she's also like a stern bad bitch at the same time. Like I, your wife is just the best and it does not surprise me at all that she could sit down and negotiate all those contracts and really just, like, have the whoever's on the other side of the table just, like, wrapped around her finger on whatever she's doing because she's really just the best. Oh, she's
1: fantastic. My wife is the best. I am the luckiest guy in the world to be married to her, and I'm just really, really thankful that we got together and we got married. I mean, it was a long, tortuous road to get to the <laughs> point at which I did meet her because I, sh- I had some shit go down in my life. But uh, I wouldn't change a thing because it led me to her, and I really love where I'm at. And she is just like she is the absolute, absolute best. Um, she is the perfect, perfect lady, and I am the luckiest dude on earth for sure. So, yes, <laughs>
0: I agree. She is the best. <laughs> cool. Well, uh, is that that it for banter then? I think that's it for banter, man. Let's talk about some games, dude. Dude, let's talk about some games.